Greetings fans, welcome to a, a special edition of Shy Lounge. I am the sensational one, Shinblade. Unfortunately, Mika Villas is not in this episode, but she's still a part of uh, Shinblade and Shy Lounge. But I have a new, maybe a possibly uh, a co-host, a, a, um, a guest co-host. That's a lot of pressure, man. Not really, I mean, we're just shooting the, shooting the shit, for real. <laughs> um, but introduce yourself. I am Joe Carlson. And I love professional wrestling. Also, you have a title, too. I do? I do? <laughs> I don't know. I do have a title. I guess I am. I am I am the community uh, engagement and program manager for Charm City Books in Baltimore, Maryland. Specifically in Pigtown, Washington Village at 782 Washington Boulevard. Um, yeah. Yeah, you can put your business out there too. Like, I am trying to read books. Your your twenty twenty uh like the best bookstore of the year twenty twenty. We were we were named best bookstore of twenty twenty by Baltimore Magazine, and it's pretty cool because we had not been open but like ten months when we got that title, and you know six months we were open, and then the global pandemic struck. And uh, we we did like everybody else in the world did, and we did whatever we could to keep pushing. And we were very fortunate that folks recognized uh, the contributions we were making uh, to our community, and also in the the development of of content that was amplifying and uplifting um, amazing authors um, and artists from Baltimore and beyond. So yeah, we were named. Best bookstore in Baltimore for 2020 by Baltimore Magazine, uh, and yeah, we got a plaque. They charged us 200 plus dollars for the plaque. But, <laughs> oh my <you> god! Know, <laughs> I, I'll, just, I'll just take the name and the title and the, and the award and I'll title. take the title. I'll yes. take the title. Yes, <laughs> don't need a plaque if it's going to cost me money. But I want to ask you. I want to ask you. Uh, you know, in this age 2021 bookstores. I thought, in a way, it was the way to way of the dodo, just like record stores. Like everybody's into ebooks now, just like MP3s. Yeah. And you know, um, and honestly, with books, I'd rather have a book instead of having an ebook, mm-hmm. um, even though it's a space saver in a house. Mm-hmm. Uh, something about cracking those pages open and reading with your eyes instead yeah. of straining with the light, even mm-hmm. though it would be good for travel. And the smell. The oh smell yeah. Smell of a book. Yeah. Yes. You know, yes. and the smell of where your book has been. You know, like the beach, for okay, example. Okay. <laughs> like the beach, not like the bathroom. No, no, no. Where a lot of books might hang out and it's like good bathroom material. No, but like you've taken that book somewhere. And when I've read a book at the beach and like years later you open it up, like a book of poetry or something. Okay. I have this Wallace Stevens book and I've taken that book everywhere. And I open up the pages and it smells like salt water and, and ocean breezes, you know. And you don't get that in a Kindle. Even though it'll be less weight on the plane and you can get that carry-on at no charge. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right, though. People are... There is a return to the bound book, to the pages of the book. Because of, I think, the tactile experience 
Uh, and it's an opportunity to get away from our screens. Everybody's life is deeply connected to screens. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate, but also it, it's a good tool if you use it in the right way. Yes. Um, because I don't really do a lot of social media. I shut down my personal Facebook in last May or June, right after uh, the um, George Floyd incident yeah. in uh, Minnesota, because there were so many people that was against it and whatever. And and honestly, this is my podcast, so I can say whatever. But it was a knee to a guy's neck. Don't put race into it, even though it was Black Lives Matter. Don't put race into it. It was a cop thing that happened, and uh, that was my personal belief. And then now the pandemic, people are walking around saying they don't have to wear a mask. Pandemic's fake. And it was like, how fake is 500K deaths in the United States compared to maybe over a million? I don't know in the world. So I had to shut down Facebook for that, and there were some people that was racist, you know, uh, mm-hmm. most notably the Caucasian kind. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I was just so done, man. Like I just had to let people go, and I say, yeah, I'll say hi to them when I see them. But other than that, we can't be buddies, and we can't be friends because you don't believe in morality. Yeah. And then also, people like the orange guy, and mm-hmm. goes on and on and on and on. Yeah. Look, if if it's personal politics, fine. But if you're toxic with, then I can't do it. Yeah. And you know, and I and I'm an independent thinking guy, so I think on both sides. And plus, uh, Maryland is run by a Republican governor, but he's done some some good things he's done some good things then he's done some awful things oh yeah and that's that's people people do that you know you and you're right that i think there's an element of like where's the common sense at yeah let's like step away from ideology and you know putting someone on the left side or the right side you have to be you have to be one or the other you have to be one or the other side if you're if you're not on one side you got to be on the other instead of thinking independently so yes that's what it is Uh, i don't want to go into politics anymore like that but um social media yes it can just drain you um there was a uh tiktok i don't have an account video uh tiktok of the singer lizzo uh-huh. And she was crying. She was in a depressed state and just okay. letting it out on camera. And maybe it helped people to know that she can relate. But it was just so, it was so sad. Like it is. It's really sad. And she is profiting from that. So she gets yes. to profit from her pain. And at the same time, she's doing something and sort of exposing herself. But there's always this double edge to it, where it's like, oh, you're doing something that's really beautiful and kind of important and may help other people and probably definitely does. And you're cashing in because of who you are. Mm-hmm. So there there are dollar signs connected to that action and, and any anything sort of you know, Sorry. it gets it gets it gets it gets No, I, I get it, there, but uh you know? just in case everybody hears it, there's a horn blaring in the background, so I'm not rolling my eyes at uh J C <laughs> over here. It's just I'm hearing the horn. I apologize for my hypervigilance a little bit. But um yeah, anybody the Kim Kardashian, Dwayne Johnson, uh Anybody is still blaring again. Oh yeah. Uh, anybody. Uh, Dwayne Wade, who's you know. Wait, no, no, no. For, I'm not getting it. For his daughter. Oh fuck yeah! It's not Dwayne Wade though. The basketball player. Is it Dwayne Wade? For his daughter. I feel like I'm messing up his name. Though. His his daughter that's in transition. Is or it, yeah, I know it's D Wade, but is it Dwayne Wade? It's Dwayne Wade. Yes. Okay. But it's D Wade. Because I'm now I'm thinking of the dude from. Um, the different world. Yes. Dwayne Wayne. Wait, wait. <laughs> that's it. I was like, that's, wait, did I just mix up? I follow him too. Kadeem the Hartson. MVP and like NBA yeah. <laughs> champion. And look, this look. If, if you don't know something and I know it, I'm gonna let you know. This is all a good space. I, 
my podcast Shy Lounge is about a good space, and I love the space in your shop. Oh, thank you. Very tranquil. Um, again, yeah, social media like it's good if you take like a couple seconds on it and and just leave it and interact with your close, um, your your inner circle. Yeah. Pardon the pun. So anyway, um, <laughs> I met Joe. I met uh, Joe Carlson. Joe, I, I want to call you Joe C, but that's another character. No, who I have. Away. Who, who calls it? Somebody calls me Joe C, and I never liked it because I always think of the you know the short person, the uh, Kid from Rock, Kid friend. Rock, and who and you know fuck Kid Rock and all that. Nonsense. Oh my God, he turned from rocker to to yeah, hard but, Republican country. Yeah, singer. but that's not a surprise because he was always a, a rich boy who grew up on in a mansion who was pretending to be trailer trash. Honestly, I forgot about that, but I, yeah. the, the one thing I remember was he uh, was into hip-hop at the time and tried to, the, the style before finding out that Vanilla Ice beat him to it, and he had to turn around and become a rocker. He, but he did. He, he got right on at the right time, which was when Corn and Limp Bizkit yes. were starting the, you know, quote-unquote, rap rock scene. There was a great compilation album that uh, Mindless Self-Indulgence was on, where they do a cover of the Method Man uh, 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 track from 36 Chambers. That's a deep cut. Uh, The Method Man song? Yeah, yeah. And Mindless Self-Indulgence. You ever listen to Mindless Self-Indulgence? I have heard of Mindless Self-Indulgence. I'm not a a fan fan like that. But uh, I I remember listening to... it wasn't 98 Rock. It was something in Virginia, but it was very popular. And I ended up... They had a song, I Hate Jimmy Page, which was popular. Yes, um, I remember that. They also had some kind of inappropriate stuff that would be not be cool now at all. <laughs> it wasn't cool then. Yeah. And me and my, I remember me and my bandmates at the time, we were the Lightly Toasted Crackers. Um, yeah, that wouldn't fly today. Lightly Toasted Crackers? Yeah. It would. I think, well, it can. I think, I think so. We were all white guys. Yeah, that's true. And one was an Australian. I don't know if that helps. That's so. true, but I think some overwoke person would have been like, you can't use that for you a You can't call, you, man, we were all white guys. But, by the way, there was a, there was a uh, couple of white boys in a, in a rap group back in the day called the Young Black Teenagers. Shut the fuck up. It was. The, the, I think the main <laughs> guy was in House Party 2. I uh, love that movie. He was he was a kid's roommate in college. I tried to get a haircut. I tried to get a flat top because I saw House Party Two. <laughs> I think it was House Party Two. It might have been. It was the. I think it was the pajama jammy jam. That was the second one. That was the second one. Yes. And I I think I have my timeline right. I was about seven and I tried to go get a flat top. My mom gave me like twelve dollars and I went to like the haircuttery and some like I think he was German. I want to say. And I said, I want a flat top. And he kind of looked at me, you know, weird. And I'm seven, so what the fuck do I know? And I, he's like, oh, okay. And he cuts my hair. And I was like, that doesn't look like a flat top. And he gives me, <laughs> he gives me like, L.A. looks gel, you know, hair gel. And I put it in there, and I'm like, ah. And I go to my friend Arthur, who's from Guatemala. His family's from Guatemala. We lived, to, we, you know, we all live in these apartments on Route 50 in Fairfax. And, and I said, Arthur, he was, like, six years older than me, too. So he's mm-hmm. 12, and I'm, like, six or seven or whatever. And I was like, Arthur, man, I asked for a flat top. This isn't a flat top. But he looks at me and he goes, Joey, you're white. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? He was like, well, your hair, you don't have the same hair. And I was like, I was like really bummed. I was like, so I'm never going to have a flat top? Of course, I didn't know everything else that went along with all of that, right? You know, as a six-year-old. But yeah, kid, it's funny you bring up kid and play because that's my... 
it, it's, it's, it's I had the, I recorded that soundtrack from the movie on like a tape player. Oh man, that's back in the day. Yeah, that's I awesome. recorded the movie on a tape player so I could have the songs. That's to that. To. That is old school. Yeah. Um, you know, hair textures, you know, whatever your hair is. I mean, Bob Ross had an afro, and we don't know how he got that. You know, I but, mean, it's out, it's out there. But it, it happens. Um, I'm losing my train of thought. Um, but, yes, I met uh, Joe C. I think I was wearing my Pro Wrestling Tees hoodie, and you just... Oh, Operation Joe. You can go Oper- with that. That's my Instagram. Operation Joe. I can go... I, I'll use that then. Operation Joe. Long as uh, Hasbro, anybody doesn't sue me for it. I don't think so, because I took it from Operation Ivy. That's where I get it from. That's my website, OperationJoe.com. Isn't Operation Ivy a punk band? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. It's um, a punk band. I got that from CM Punk. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Operation Ivy is one of the greatest punk bands ever. Okay. They, I mean, there would be no Rancid if it wasn't for Operation Ivy. Tim Armstrong mm-hmm. uh, and, and the drummer, who's a great drummer, uh, and the bassist Matt Freeman. All came from Op Ivy and then started Rancid. Yeah, I learned that uh, Rancid I knew over the years, uh, every now and then, because I wasn't heavy into rock and punk like other people were. And um, here's how much of a mark I was back in the day: um, Saliva. The, the, oh, the I band. do. Wait, 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 what was the what was the Saliva track though? Um, it was a couple of them. One was Click Click Boom, which was on a pay per view, and also they did it in movies. Superstar, which was in the Fast and the Furious, the first one, and they did it for WrestleMania X8 in Canada, and uh, they did... Wait, tur- that's not the, you are what you say. That's Lupe Fiasco. That's Lupe, yeah. That's, uh, that's 2006, that's the cool album, I have that. That's a great album. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, they did it Turn the Tables for the Dudleys, where you're dancing with Baltimore's own Stacey Keebler. Um, Stacey Keebler's from Baltimore? I think she is, but she was a cheerleader before she got into wrestling. Um, okay. I would love to track her down. She's a mom now. Yeah. And married. Um, but I met Saliva out of a concert in 2003. There was a place called The Boathouse in uh, Norfolk, Virginia. Little rinkety plays like, you know, punk bands and rock bands go there. Caught a drumstick from, uh, um, I forget the guy's name, but he left like after the third, the fourth album. Um, hung out with them on the bus. I met Josie Scott, uh, talked to Wayne Swinney, the guitarist, and we were just talking, got on the bus. Chris DeBaldo, that's the that's the uh, the drummer. And he was smoking pot out of a bowl, and my hoodie got into it, and I was living with my mom at the time. I was young. And um, I remember uh, Josie Scott told me that he was going to be in a movie with Terrence Howard. He said they're going to be filming it back in Tennessee, where they're from. Turns out, three years later two or three years later that movie was Hustle and Flow and he was the uh, the guy that was running the convenience store in that movie I just recognized him right off the rip he is a big dude and um, (laughs) I was a Saliva fan from every six seconds which was like 2000-2001 I don't think I've ever met anyone who ever said they were a Saliva fan well you know Watching wrestling and going hardcore in WWE and all the Limp Biscuit and everything they put in their pay-per-views, I had... Uh, I know, we can really blame WWE yeah. for, for an <laughs> unnecessary longevity of the rap rock genre. You know, which is... I, like, I actually liked Limp Biscuit. Limp Biscuit's uh, first album is amazing. Was, all I wanted was a Pepsi, just one Pepsi, Far From Suicidal. Was that $3 bill, y'all? 
Three Dollar Bill, yeah. I never heard that album. That album is the only Limp Biscuit album truly worth listening to. Okay. In terms of like, if you want to hear what an album with that that was, if you want to hear an album that was people creating something new for them, it's, inspired by what they loved, and was an expression of a, a synthesis of what they loved, that is Three Dollar Bill, y'all. I think most of the time in music is always the first album or it could be the second or third album, the breakthrough albums. The first album is always like, you know, no fame, no money. We got to put your heart into it. And uh, nobody's going to hear this. So we're going to, yes, we're going to make the music we want to make. Yes. And then once you get the fame and corporate in, it's like, okay, well, you can't say this. You can't say that. And your song needs to be in this structure. It has to be this time length. Or this song can't make the album. So they always in bonus. They're always in bonus tracks, iTunes specials or whatever. Um, but again, I caught Limp Biscuit by the fame, and that was the uh, significant other album and the hot dog flavored album. Oh and yes. And I, I, I had the realization of I really don't like Fred Durst. Oh no. I he's like that guy that get bullied and is like once I get famous I'm gonna show you how much better than you I am. I'm gonna grow a really I'm gonna grow a really bad goatee and uh, and then I'm just gonna be completely brazen and on a uh, you know yeah. on a pod. but he's a front man you know he's a musical front man and he's a musical front man in the era of like where it was like I don't know I mean this is gonna sound maybe strange you know now because looking back on it but. You know, talk about white appropriation, right? It's um, a white guy that says it. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a white <laughs> Don't guy me to me, anybody who's listening. Yeah, I mean, the red hat, you know. And, though, I mean, there there was this also, though, I mean, because he worked, he collaborated with Method Man, right? That's when I first started. So, I mean, they had a, um, uh, what was the Method Man song? In Together Now. I Could Be the Boss. Yeah, In, in Together, Together now. now. And so, I, you know, I guess, and, and this is the same, I'm not trying to say this, like, you know. White people are allowed to also rap. <laughs> well, absolutely. You know I, mean? I mean, it's just that you. Ha- it, this is a hip hop conversation, yes. and I can talk about hip hop because I implore people to give me to uh, send me beats on the show, even though most of the time it's the mumble rap generation. Um, oh God. Yes, white people can actually rap. Hip hop is universal, but now, but the funny thing about it is, is that it is it is black founded. And Latin found it also, so it's like you know the gatekeepers of hip hop are like you are a guest. You can do what you do, but yes. you can't say certain things that we can't, you know, whatever. And that's why Eminem is one of them. But Eminem is also a legend. Yes, it's also a form. You yeah. know what I mean? Like hip hop is a form. Like any kind of poetry is a form. You yes. know, like you have different structures of poems, and hip hop is that. You know, th- there is a bit of a form, and the form continues to evolve and grow and change. Um, you know, but the roots of it and where it comes from, you know, if you if you honor that, mm-hmm. like, and come from that space, you know, it, it it is a universal sound. You know, like the guitar is universal now. You, uh, know? you about to make me go back to Hendrix, but I was gonna say I like Biscuit for uh, Westmoreland. Oh because, yeah. Um, when they had a disagreement after uh, I think it was Hot Dog, uh, the Hot Dog album. I kind of was just like, whatever, but I did like Limp Biscuit for the song Crack Addict for WrestleMania 19. Okay. Um, and, you know, that wasn't on the album, so I had to go to Napster or whatever and find it or <laughs> whatever those those uh, uh, LimeWire or whatever yeah. to, to find it. Yeah. So um, that was it. But uh, but really, I, I met uh, 
I met uh, Operation Joe outside of his shop. He saw me with a pro wrestling t-shirt. Then the conversation just happened. And then months later, I bumped into you with a Shinsuke Nakamura shirt. That's right. And, Strong um, style. Yeah. My I, wife bought that for me. Oh, man. Shout out to her. Yeah. Um, well, my wife, I got my wife into wrestling. She came home one day. Really? From a rehearsal. Because we're both actors. And she got so better. Uh, oh, you are? Well, I was, but, you know, after Virginia, then moving to Maryland, I moved here during the recession part of okay. acting. 2008? 2009. Okay. And um, I was working, and, you know, when it started coming back up, I was not in certain circles. Yeah, okay. And also another funny story is, is that right where I live is the Lithuanian Hall. Hmm. I know I'm giving my information out. Um, and I was walking, <laughs> I was walking home. And I bumped into uh, John Waters. Oh, shit. Famed Baltimore filmmaker who, Hairspray, Pecker, Pink, Pink Flamingos. The little known John uh, Waters. Yeah. We have lots of his great books at charmcitybooks.com. And also, I remember his episode on The Simpsons, which is on the Disney Network. Oh, yes. Um, so I bumped into him. He told me about the person. I think his name was Karen Whitlow uh, something. Um, so I ended up subscribing to that on Facebook. And then she had, like, uh, auditions for Straight Outta Compton. But... Again, I wasn't that look to be in one of the crew, so I didn't do it. Um, but I like acting. I love acting. Um, I guess being in, like, one or two films, even though they're probably on the deleted <laughs> deleted scenes on the cutting room floor, mm. uh, you see things a different way. Yes. And, you know, a lot of people with movies are just like, this was good. This was good. I'm like... Uh, it was bad the writing the chemistry between the actors it wasn't good just like the new movie that came out on Amazon called uh, Coming to America uh, 2 oh I have I saw I you know as a child being born in 1984 I absolutely fucking loved Coming to America the original one I mean I watched everybody it does it, a billion it, times the, the writing is so funny oh and, and they were written and honestly they were written by white people it was like Barry Blaustein, who mm-hmm. later on did Beyond the Mat, and some other guy. But I think like Eddie Murphy and some comedians jumped on it. They didn't get credit for it. That's um, right, yeah. And but they wanted, you know, they wanted somebody on it. I watched something recently. I can't remember it now, so never mind. Don't worry. But uh, Coming to America <laughs> 2 was just plain awful. It was, was it? so bad. Yeah. Like, I, I, I get... Was it bad because you had expectations? Or was it bad because it was bad? Um, it was bad, number one, because of writing. Okay. Because the coming, not to spoil it for people, but the coming to America in 88, the writing was subtle. There were jokes that would say you had to deliver the right way or it wouldn't be funny. Yeah, it was very, yes, absolutely. And, um, Mm -hmm. the way that coming to America, I didn't like about the writing was, it was like, here's a joke. You have to laugh. Okay. Here's the joke. You have to laugh. Yeah. Here's the joke. You have to laugh at it. And sometimes subtle humor, if you write the line a certain way and people deliver it a certain way, it is funny. Well, that that's what's funny. It, 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 humor is all about subverting expectations. So if you set it up and you see it coming, there's no surprise. Because because honestly, I didn't think coming. I didn't think the first coming to America was funny if the lines weren't delivered right. No, because they were just deli- It was it was, um, you know, it's like so all comedy you have to play. You know, serious. Mm-hmm. It's just real. Mm-hmm. This is what's important, mm-hmm. and what comes out of it is the absurdity. Because human nature is is pretty absurd. Yeah, you know, I mean, the things that we do to each other are are pretty absurd. From from the beautiful to the violent, 
Well, yeah. it's just like the Simpsons writing back in the day. Yes. Like, uh, Dana Gould was writing. And, yeah. Um, before the Odenkirks came in in 2003, which I stopped, I stopped watching The Simpsons ever since, like, 2004 or something. Yeah. But it was the writing for it. Like, um, like the Phil Hartman character, uh, was it Lionel Hutz? Yeah. And I remember, like, he was this crappy lawyer. He's looking at other lawyers and said, look, that lawyer's wearing a belt. And it was just, like, so <laughs> funny or whatever. And I'm just like, okay, that is funny. Well, that's what I'm talking about. That's the absurdity of yes. it, right? But today is, like... You have to laugh. If I tell you a joke, you have to laugh right at that second. Here's the joke. And and I don't like that. Like, Marlon Wayans uh, is one of my favorite mm-hmm. comedic actors, but the movies that he does, like, The Haunted House was funny, the first one. They're hokey. The, like, when he made Fifty Shades of Black, I couldn't laugh at it. I haven't seen that I yet. Could, it, was, it was a parody of Fifty Shades of Grey, but of I could not laugh at it. I couldn't find anything funny. So yeah. so it's like, you know, I like slapstick, mm-hmm. but you do it a certain way, okay, it's funny. But now it's like um, when you force a laughter, it's not that funny. Yeah. Like one of the greatest of all times right now, Dave Chappelle. Like stuff that he does is hilarious. Mm-hmm. His comedic, he just, he just opened a podcast, so that pushes me down the podcasting <laughs> mountain a little bit. He has a podcast <laughs> with most deaf and Talit Kweli. Oh, well, yeah. And I think this is one of the podcasts you got to pay for. Oh, wow. So, but it's still pushing me down to it. But it pushes me up a little bit that the Joe Budden podcast is about to be ripped to shreds. Oh, shit. He just uh, fired his co-host on air. Oh, God. And a messy situation is developing. It happened today. I'm just recording. But anyway, I'm here to talk about wrestling. Wait, uh, should we take a little break? I gotta pee real fast. Sure, hold on. All right, thank you. All right, uh, we're back. Uh, we just want to show you that we're human. That sometimes we drink a little bit of liquids, and we just gotta go to the bathroom. It happens. Um, yeah, it happens. And um, I was just telling uh, Operation Joe that usually I would go on some kind of rant by myself, and it sounds like yelling yelling to the sky a little bit so I could just talk about anything. But that's the nature of my podcast. Uh, I try to be almost as unfiltered, uh, even though I don't curse a lot or whatever, but just with the thoughts and and anything because nobody's backing me. Nobody is uh, sponsoring or telling me what to do. This is me, this is myself, and this is I with someone else. But anyway, uh, talk about wrestling here. Um, So we met and we talked about... uh, wrestling and I, I saw right through you that you had a love for wrestling. You didn't tell me how much uh, AEW sucks because you like WWE. You didn't tell me how much WWE sucks because you like AEW. You just you just put yourself in that position of you like what you like. Yes. And, um, you know, even though this is a little bit later, maybe a month late, uh, you did want to talk about WrestleMania uh, 37. And, yeah. And I, went, I glossed over it a little bit with Mika Villas about it because I saved it for you oh, and um, she you know, would... I tried to start watching WrestleMania so I finished editing a, a, a video last night and I was like okay I need to brush up because I'm going to be sitting down with shit and this, this, this project is, is you know processing so let me watch some wrestling and I had flipped over to I was like oh hold up but let me see this John Moxley Eddie Kingston tag match on AEW Dark because I was excited that Mox and Kingston were showing up on Dark and I started watching I was like oh but shit I gotta gotta watch Wrestlemania and I went to start going watching Wrestlemania and just the idea 
of t- turning over to it, I don't know, just like rub me the wrong <laughs> way. <laughs> and let me get, you know, let me say, like, night one of WrestleMania was pretty was pretty cool, and I know we have some differing opinions about the card on that. Um, but, you know, I just thought it was really indicative of, of the state of the two companies where I was like, you know, I gr- I've watched wrestling my WWE my entire life. That's pr- predominantly my experience of professional wrestling. And AEW's, you know, minor league show garners more interest for me than anything that's happening on Raw or SmackDown. Well, I always said that the the reason why AEW garners fans other than their following is the fact that they keep their ear to the ground and they recognize situations that uh, happen. Mm. You know, because uh, as soon as the pandemic hit, you know, Many businesses didn't know what they were going to do. So they were in Daly's place and Kenny Omega and the Bucks in the ring talking about, we don't know what's going on, but they're acting it out at the same time. And their first pay-per-view was, uh, I think it was the Double or Nothing show. And the their beginning, very, very first pay-per-view. You're talking about before the pandemic? Or no, 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 during the pandemic. Okay, And yeah. they, they they put in the opening that, you know, the fire, the, uh, uh, essential workers and the first re- responders. We we hear you. We appreciate you a lot. Yeah. So um, even when they first started, you know, they uh, I've been to All In and All Out both years consecutively in Chicago, and they had spaces for those who are sensitive to pyro and the the fireworks. They were doing autism awareness, so they kept their ear down to the ground. And that's the part I didn't like about WWE was that there is a pandemic but they're not really recognizing it. And this is the same company that in October they run breast cancer awareness in September, pediatric cancer. So you would think for something like COVID-19, they could address it, but you never hear about it except for the documentaries like Drew McIntyre or whatever when they show the news footage. And uh, Mika Villas has said before, like it's a suspension of belief. Sometimes that suspension of belief doesn't really suspend because you're going out, you're trying to live your life, but you got to wear a mask, you got to social distance from people, um, you know, and there's a lot of naysayers. That well, like, there's the other thing, too, is that the McMahons were deeply tied to yes. the executive administration of the United States at the time. Of Duke. Right. Yeah. And, and so, and you know, of course, there is the tie that oh, it turns out wrestling is an essential business We talked a about couple that. weeks after making yeah. a match. You know, so all of that. So there's that element. So we're not going to... Also add in Florida and Ron DeSantis. Absolutely. Yeah. So, like, you, they could do it. So when they say that WWE is essential business... But Ron ain't shit without the Don. You know what I mean? Well, they said, they, they said in a rumor mill that he's going to run for president. Oh, I'm sure he will. But because he's been on the teat of... <laughs> I, still, I mean, I'm not, I'm not counting him. If he out. had his own thought, like you know, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not counting him out though. But I just want to see like how far could he get without the support, it, and I don't think that's going to happen. Well, uh, if he said, "Hey, the election was actually on the up and up." Oh, that, oh, yeah. No, Go home. Gone. Go home. The only <laughs> the, the only way you can garner support is if you suspend that disbelief all the way. It's been six months and people are still living that, yeah. unfortunately. But anyway, I mean, it's been a hundred. It's been you know hundreds of years and people are still living that. But 
But going back to AEW, um, yes, they keep their ear to the ground. Impact has done it. Uh, New Japan shut down in uh, at the at the time indefinitely because they didn't know what they're going to do. And excuse me, there's some uh, there's a state of emergency right now in Japan, and I think New Japan uh, shut down a little bit too. Some people got uh, COVID. They're not releasing the names though, but you will see it if you are a uh, avid New Japan watcher. I'm not. I try to keep up as much as I can, but I don't know the channels to watch Strong Style, which is in San Francisco. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, uh, WWE to me, number one, uh, is booking and writing. Because a lot of times, like, you see something, you garner interest in it, okay, let's see where this goes, and then they're off television for some reason. Mm-hmm. You know, just like what I said about after WrestleMania, Charlotte was not at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she had a storyline with Asuka. They're, like, they're going to turn on each other. They're going to uh, uh, go for the Raw Women's Championship. So I was like, okay, this is what they're doing. Next you know, Charlotte's out. You find out that she got COVID. I think she came out on Twitter and said that. And then she got misdiagnosed as being pregnant. And then her fiancé got released because he wasn't working. Right. Because he wanted to work. Right. And I gave him a lot, and people pissed me off on social media because they're like, good riddance, you need to go. I was like, dude, everybody was going for him when he was on the roster. He was in NXT, people didn't like him a little bit, and he turned around, got Thea Trinidad as Selena Vega, and they started going for him. But when he got on the roster, he was working. Yes, last year he was in this tired angle uh, with Austin Theory, who was input into that. And I know Austin Theory, he's a, he's a good guy. Uh, what was the other guy's name? Uh, he stuck a rose up. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he and they're doing the you know they're they're rehashing the Eddie Go- Go- Guerrero uh, Lothario theme as they are wont to do mm-hmm. with racial tropes in WWE. Well, they're trying to get the Latin star, but they never really got him. Yeah, uh, but it's like, can we just have a Latin star who's a Latin star because he can wrestle his ass off like Eddie Guerrero could? Now Eddie took it. Yeah. Way beyond it, you know, just like the New Day superseded the trope that they were trying to shoehorn them into when they first revealed the New Day. Yeah. And the New Day took it way beyond that, and so did Eddie Guerrero, you know. But but the, somebody like Andrade, um, who in part doesn't speak uh, the English language as well as Eddie did, mm-hmm. right? So he is at a loss for advocating himself, you know. In in the way that McMahon would maybe listen to, you know, other than punching him in the face on a plane. But also, but also, Eddie was uh, a kid. He was he was he was born into the business and bred. Right. So back and forth through the Southwest, Mexico, San Francisco, where his uh, brother was making money against Roddy Piper. Um, he he had to learn the English language one way or the other. You right. know, same thing with Chavo, which I I called them brothers, even though it was nephew and uncle, because right. they were so close in uh, age. Um, so anyway, Charlotte, not at WrestleMania, comes back, and then they put her off TV, and I, I, uh, I shot that bullet too soon. They put her back on TV, because she had to apologize, and we don't know where it's going, but they didn't want her in WrestleMania, because they thought they was gonna, she was gonna do something in lieu of her fiancé, which I thought was dumb, because she's a, she's a professional, she's a flair, she's going to come out doing the flair thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, WWE, you know, um, I, I guess they're the bad guys now, even though they're the top company. They they are. They're the bad guys. And, and their athletes are better, right? Their matches are more crisply 
executed. Smackdown. Smackdown. It wasn't even wrong. Everything looks good. Mm-hmm. Everything is executed well. However, it's so predictable. And people are really against that. So it's hard to... It, it, it's hard to suspend your belief when you know everything that's going to happen. And maybe it's because we live in the age of the smart mark, you know? And that's the part I don't like because sometimes when I'm watching a product, I want to be proven wrong with what I'm thinking. Yeah. You know, I'm like, this guy's going to lose because such and such such. He got a momentum that he's going to go up. And I, I hate being that type of person. I'm not trying to say I'm a genius. Even though I got called a guru by the Wrestling Heroes and Insiders podcast that I did a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not even there yet. I'm still on, I'm still climbing that damn mountain. Um, but I don't... I, I love the fact of not knowing. Even though I have been around, I have known certain people. We have had talks. I We, we talk on the phone, like, rarely. I just like the fact of not knowing and supporting people. Like, AJ Styles, you know, I... Didn't know I was going to meet him. I didn't know he was going to be in my, my vlog back in the day before everybody else was doing vlogs. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I support those people. I was a big support. I am a big supporter of Thea Trinidad when she got fired by WWE because she wouldn't give her her third parties. But guess what? Her third parties was making more money than her own contract. Oh, I'm sure. So it's like, okay, so you're taking money out of people's endeavors. I see that you know you don't want to, you don't want people to do things detrimental to your company. But when it comes to being on Twitch and doing cosplay for people and people throwing their money at them, it's like, okay, well, you don't have to pay them that much upside of what they're getting on their downside. I mean, what what could be detrimental to WWE? Um, I you know, mean, if you if over look the at the history <laughs> of WWE Go ahead. and all the shit of the people involved, the owner included. The Kiss I My mean, Ass Club and yeah, yeah, every, you the know, Attitude Error. Oh my God! All that. I mean, you go back. I mean, I, I I don't know. I've been trying to watch some stuff on the on the Peacock app. I hate it because you can't jump from match to match. Look at yeah, track. I love. Oh, that. it's it's terrible. Yeah, I love the that Peacock part. app. Is awful. You have I to fast like, forward through things. You can't just go from this part of the match to that part of the match. You know. I have said this uh, episode or two ago. Um. We as Americans hate the Peacock app. Now, the only positive side, at least for me, is I do pay the ten dollars that I used to pay for WWE Network. And I get now no, you get rather. I get Mike's, no commercials. You know, and you get no. <laughs> I get I get anything NBC. I can watch George Lopez show from start to finish. Yeah. So that's the positive side. Negative side is the interface because oh, the interface is bad. Because I was watching the Miz uh, documentary that just came out, and okay. I stopped it at the infamous 2016 uh, promo shoot that he did on on Brian Danielson. And uh-huh. wait, and on the SmackDown on the, on on the, the Talking Smack. Smack. Oh yeah. yeah, that was a good one. I I stopped it because I knew it, and I was up doing things in my house. Right. Get, yeah. And when I started back up on PlayStation. Um, because I used my PlayStation 4, it, it it just took forever. And then it started from the beginning, like, watch from now. So I stopped it, and I have a Roku TV, and it just did it, like, honestly. It was like that. I was like, oh, my God, you suck as far as PlayStation is concerned. Oh, my God. Well, the app just stuck. And I, my Peacock, I think it's on, yeah, it's on my PS4. But, but, but my tablet is good. But why doesn't Peacock have a Samsung LG app yet? Like, what the, what the fuck's going on? I have a I have a Samsung. I have a Samsung too. I can't get the Peacock app yet. I have it. Maybe I gotta look at it again. Okay, gotta you probably gotta it. look in the store. But but they got why did you why did they get rid of 
the well, good user experience that it had, which was to I can go, I can watch everything I want to watch. I'm gonna I, watch way more knowing that I can jump from. I can tell you the answer that you already know. Okay. Uh, distribution. They got a billion dollars to use Peacock for the United States. Uh-huh. So uh, everybody else around the world gets the WWE Network. I know. So it's the uh, it's the interface that uh, kills it for me. But in business, distribution is like is is nearly king. Yeah, I get why they went with Peacock. I mean, especially after McMahon lost all that money from the XFL because in part of the pandemic. Quote unquote. Yeah, I mean that's a write off. Not now the rock <laughs> not now the rock has it and um now also speaking of Peacock, I watch Young Rock on Peacock instead of Hulu. Is that any good? Um, the stories to me are entertaining, but the wrestling sucks. Is like wrestling in it? Well, the wrestling oh, part he's of it. Watching his dad and his grandfather and, and growing up in the business right, and right. in like nineteen eighty two, The Rock is in Hawaii with his parents and his grandmother. And you're having people like Andre the Giant, Macho Man, the Iron Sheet, Junkyard Dog, all in this one place. And you got actors playing these people. Right? That's that's not bad at that part. But the part is, they weren't together in 1982. Uh, Macho Man was in Kentucky doing the uh, ICW with his father and his brother. Andre the Giant was touring all over, um, you know, mostly in Mid-South or whatever, because that's what he looked like. The Mid South uh, indie guy, Junkyard Dog was in uh, Mid South as a as a top draw. The Iron Sheik was in WWF at the time. He was champion at the end of '83. Then, then you know who came in there and beat him for the belt. Wow. And we'll get to that later. Anyway, um, but the story about him growing up being in high school and being in college, I like those stories. But when yeah. it came to wrestling, I'm just like. Well, they don't care about the history. Look, I I did a I've done two uh, docu dramas about American history. Okay, mm-hmm. so yeah, and and one of them I played uh, um, uh, uh, William Clark, right? Of Meriwether Lewis and William Clark. Mm-hmm. It's called Frontiersmen, mm-hmm. the men who built America. Yes. Okay. So let's like that title says a lot right there. Yeah. So let me but let me sum it up like this. They did not give a fuck about any of the historical accuracies. <laughs> and I mean this is this is being produced by Leonardo DiCaprio, okay? Right? Oh for real. Man. This is produced by Leonardo DiCaprio. One I did before that was produced by Robert Redford, American West. Okay. This so is not doing, helping. So we're doing we're doing we're doing this show. The men who built America. Right. Fuck that. But anyway, um, and and let me tell you how William William Clark and Meriwether Lewis discovered the Pacific Ocean, right? How they really did it was they were on a boat mm-hmm. on a river, mm-hmm. and they were like, "Oh shit, this is opening up to the ocean, right?" Makes mm-hmm. sense. They were sailors. William Clark was a master map maker, cartographer, um, so on and so forth. In this show, they're just like we just walked slowly, right? Slow motion to the edge of a cliff. And saw the Pacific Ocean, you know, and that's how they play it, right? Like, this is that. So of course, Sacage or, or um, um, yeah, Sacagawea, and this is not a thirteen-year-old child who is essentially 
Right, so I'm just saying all this to say, like, of course NBC is going to be like, I don't care what the history of wrestling was really like. <laughs> you know, television is not interested. That's just like the story of Pocahontas. That's just like the story of Pocahontas they teach you in school. Oh, yeah. And, and like, Pocahontas was this was this brick house of a of a uh, Native American princess when, in fact, she was a teenager. She was a child. Yeah, she was, she was a kid. She was a minor. And um, John Smith, she did not fall in love with. It was John Rolfe. Yes. And she moved back to England and lived her years. And that's a, and because she did. She, they were in love, John Rolfe and her, mm-hmm. you know. But, yeah, I mean, that's like, you know, we leave all of the, you, you know, the QAnon people would have a real problem. And not to mention. With history. Not to mention. Child sex trafficking. Disney made a movie like that. Oh, yeah. Vanessa yeah. Williams as a singer. I don't know who played, yeah. who played the actress. And they but. look very, you know, con, you know, they look like a good couple. Yeah, you know, they look like you know maybe she's eighteen. He's you know he's like in his <laughs> mid twenties. It's okay, like older guy, but she was a child. Okay, well if you want to <laughs> if you want to put that out there, I know we're straying away from wrestling, Me Too or whatever cancel culture Pocahontas instead of the Snow White ride at the uh, at the resu- at the uh, amusement parks. Uh huh. They they're trying to cancel the Snow White ride. Because of the story of Snow White. Oh, because he comes down and a man kisses her without having any idea yes, that's and it why. brings her to Well, I mean, but that's I mean, that is that is you know, it's good. I mean, as far as as, as far as a woman being dead and being in eternal slumber, like I, I don't mind that. But if it's <laughs> like I mean, don't be tonguing whatever and whatever. But I don't mind that. But as far as that is concerned. But the fact is, is that the woman to me was dead, the, oh, part practically oh, dead. Damn, that's a good point. And he just brought her to life. So I didn't write the story. No. I wish the prince came in there and had a rose that he pricked his finger and the blood came and dropped on her. Which would be uh, that other one? Yeah, um, with the blonde one. Sleeping Beauty. That's it. I thought it was the same story. It's the same story. Jesus. It is essentially. I mean, there's some differences, but okay. it's essentially the same okay. story. Well, look. To all listeners and to Operation Joe, most of the time on Disney Network is all Marvel for me. Uh, all, Marvel all day, and day, yeah. National Geographic. Yes, yes, absolutely. And there's a really bizarre show about dogs and how dogs are really good. And obviously, you know, we have three shop dogs mm-hmm. at the bookstore. Coco, Puzzle, and Lou. Mm-hmm. And um, so we love dogs. Uh, there's a really weird show. Oh, the guy who vo- voices Pluto does a show about miraculous <laughs> dogs. It is the best, worst show you can watch on the Disney Channel. All right, so, so I'm, I'm going to get to there. Um, <laughs> but you're right. It's all <sighs> Disney is all Marvel. Yeah, That's what it's there for. We just actually, uh, Davin, my wife, and I just finished uh, kind of a, a scattershot rewatch of all the Marvel movies. Uh, we still got a couple it's like of twenty. Hit. I think it's like twenty one, twenty two. I put the Iron Man movie on while I was doing laundry, mm-hmm. and then I was like hooked. I was like, all right, let me watch the next Iron Man. Okay, now I'm on the Iron Man. Okay, fuck. I love the argument between Iron Man and Captain America. Right? Oh, the Civil War. All throughout it. I mean, they're always arguing. Uh, it be- it begins in the first Avengers movie. It did because I remember, uh, you know, Tony Stark had a snap about his suit. And, and about uh, Captain America's suit, and then Banner says something, and he walks off to change his suit. Oh, and they're always well, and they're always talking shit about like, okay, well, you want to fight? 
like put the suit. Uh, that was America. before the ambush. Yeah, that, that was, was before the ambush. And, and they before they really got into it, they were always different. because because Cap is all about what he thinks is the best for the world, America, whatever. Mm. Tony is always operating from really his own sense of personal guilt. You know what? I'm glad that somebody said it because nobody of my circle says it, but I remember the Infinity, Infinity War and Endgame. Mm -hmm. And then I think you put Spider-Man on top of that with Civil War. And it was just like Tony doesn't really take accountability as he should. Or he's, and then he's trying to, but then he's overcompensating. Yeah, and that's why, um, you know, spoiler alert, that's why Infinity War Spider-Man evaporates when in the original comics he doesn't. Oh, so um, he's a part of uh, the the team. Um, so getting back to wrestling, we 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 trailed off from Florida, Ron DeSantis, and uh, the guy that used to be president. Um, <laughs> even though the, the current one, he does have his faults too, but at least we can all kind of embrace it a bit. Yeah, at instead least... of instead of saying he didn't do it when it's on tape. I mean, there is something to be said for, you know, not actively trying to destroy the few good things that exist in the American democracy, which are checks and balances mm-hmm. to prevent despotism. I have uh, I have people that come out and, and talk about Biden like like he's the worst man in the world, especially his his allegations period that he had to me was weird, but it wasn't concrete compared to a lot of other people like sniffing hair and doing shoulder rubs yes that's uncomfortable but it wasn't like you gotta go like that no yeah not at all but and if you want to compare i mean it's like if you want to compare the two it's like okay well are we just gonna like start counting accusations like is that how you know i say that all the time i'm like we can we can actually go there with numbers and you know, uh, the crime bill that he signed in 1994 that was mostly black and brown people that got caught up for drugs and everything. And, he, and, and Barack Obama had to talk with him, and that should have absolved him uh, at a certain point of what he was doing. Because we all have done stuff in the past. We and all right have now. done stuff. And you know, that, the, 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 who voted against that bill? You know what was also in that bill? VAWA, which was the Violence Against Women Act, which was a protection act, which... Uh, Helped with um, sovereignty of um, native women and not being abused. So I mean, no doubt that crime bill was absolute garbage mm-hmm. in terms of what it did to strengthen the military, the prison industrial complex, um, and just like with the assault rifle ban. That's the thing that people miss out <laughs> about these big bills. There are so many little things in there in these bills which affect whether or not they get passed or don't get passed. So it's just like. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, but they all they all fucked up. Everybody it, fucked up. With but that. you know what's funny about that? You're a very knowledgeable person. I'm going to put that out there. They listen to the bottom line of what happens. Uh, if it's on Facebook, it's news. Don't mm-hmm. care if it's ABC, NBC, CBS, uh, maybe even TMZ, even though not a lot of people are in favor of that. Um, if it's from site over there, renegade site over here, they get wind of that, they're going with it. Oh, yeah. And my personal thing is that if we go with the, the actual channels, it's like, is, is this true? And then they will spell out what's, what's going on, and I will go from there. It takes years to be credible. Mm-hmm. That's why I don't have blue checks on my social media. i got to build to be a little bit credible first. And plus, uh, I love doing stuff like this, and I love 
and even with that, I would love to take my momentum and help people out and showcase people. And this is, again, reiterating why I wanted you up here because you have a passion. Anyway, WrestleMania 37, um, I watched it. Uh, I will admit I took a couple edibles in the middle of the night. Uh, <laughs> night one. Hey, look, let me tell you something. WrestleMania 36, when it was all no audience and, and pin drop silence, I took shrooms at night. It was so boring. Uh, it, um, it was, and it was, but some people took it, like, Charlotte, she had a good match, right? That was a Charlotte Ripley, Ripley NXT match, and she was talking so much shit, and you could see why Charlotte is already a fucking 13-time champion. Whatever like, the number is. Whatever the number is, like, look, she, she might be, you know, the most privileged person in professional wrestling, um, however... Man, she she shows up every night. I mean, t- t- I, I I can't think of a woman who well, looks more violent and sells better for other people and for herself than, than Charlotte Flair. Again, just like the Facebook detectives, they see Charlotte always on top all the time, like John Cena is, and they just like forget Charlotte, forget everything. But when her dad comes in. Oh yeah, woo! And they, and they go back. And Rick and Flair, I'm like, can we please retire Ric Flair from? I mean, come on. Like, Honestly, all we know about him exposing himself to people, like you know, I'm really amazed that don't, don't, don't he spoil has, it. What? Uh, I think that's an upcoming episode on Dark Side of the Ring, the plane ride from hell. Oh, in okay. 2002. Because because like with all we know about him, I mean, if they talk about cancel culture, and what's great about cancel culture is now people are having a conversation about cancer culture and is it too much right but we all we know about that idea of when we learn things about that he can still just come on tv and it's fine i mean even triple h i mean nobody has held triple h accountable from the attitude era when he came out in blackface rock has he ever said anything about that you know what i thought you was going to talk about another situation no i came right i went right to that one but um no he wasn't in blackface yes he was as the, as Triple H? Yes, he was. Brown, okay, fine. I, 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 brown no, no, face. No, no, no. I remember from the Nation of Domination, it was X Pac. He was in. No, he was in, he was black. in full on. But also in a fat suit. Uh oh yeah yeah yeah. Wait wait. But, but he wore Triple H wore brown face. Okay. Um, and I'll double check it. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. If I'm popular enough, I like to ask people: Was that the worst of Triple H or the one with Booker T? And, uh, uh, WrestleMania 19, where you say you people like you uh, are not privy to hold titles, what I'm holding. And ironically enough, it was the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, which was WCW. Okay, so he definitely has a little brown face. Now, he is Mark Henry, yes. X-Pac, yes. went full on blackface. Of course, there was another instance of blackface, In comparison, which will be little talked about, which was Goldust. In full on blackface, I, talking about being a deadbeat father in the Attitude Era, talking about I how missed that. Oh, I, it was. Oh, you know where it was is? Was that the Radical Era where the, he dumped his is, wife? Oh no, hold on. Yes, it was right after okay. that. It was. I think. I believe it is the Monday Night Raw that directly follows the Montreal Screw Job. That and, was when he broke up with Terry, and he yes. was doing the. Artist formerly known, so he was coming out with a yes. lot of things. Yes, and that was one that I missed. Now, this is where we're cooking with oil. Um, I think everybody remembers Triple H from WrestleMania 19 more than that, and they will because I guess basically because it's wrestling, 
and that's more wrestling than the nation of domination you know saying people like you don't hold belts like this even though that was ironic because that was the same belt that booker held when wcw closed right at, yeah and and um and you know the fact that triple h took like 10 minutes to pin booker t after the pedigree and everybody wanted booker t to win and they pulled up his past about robbing the Wendy's. I gotta watch that biography. It just came out. Yeah, the artist formerly known as Goldust, where we see him with an afro, I, a fake afro. I probably wig. saw that, but I don't remember it. But this is even at this is after the Montreal Screwjob Raw episode where Shawn Michaels comes in as a, as a real prick. This is where he's first talking about. It. But it get it got even worse. And I mean, this is and so WWE. And all these wrestlers have never had... I mean, the governor of Virginia had to answer for it. Yeah, I remember that. (laughs) It was a couple of politicians, and I think one was Canadian also. But I don't know if Triple H has ever been asked to comment on... Hmm. And and, and the the guy's like a god now as far as putting NXT together. He's the guy. And um, Yeah, and it's, it's really funny because I watch NXT ever since... They revamped in 2012 when it was like a, a Florida channel, and I had to go on the site to watch it. And this is before the network, and everybody started watching it. Joe, I was the only one in Baltimore Arena in September 2014 that was cheering for the four-way that was happening on Takeover. I was I was cheering Adrian Neville, who's Pac now, Tyson Kidd, yeah. Sami Zayn. And it's gonna kill me. It's somebody else that was up there, but I mean, it's it, just amazing. Uh, Tyler, the, I think it was Tyler Breeze. It's all. It's amazing how you list all of these people, all of these talented people that WWE just you know wasted. Well, I was a. I'm a big Hart family fan, and Tyson Kidd was yeah. like uh, that Samoa Joe. Uh, uh, I forget what that move was. Um, that ended up injuring him permanently, and he's he's. Just like Ray Rice, he's just trying to gear up for that comeback that's not going to come. Because WWE's not going to clear it, especially when you see the scar that he had when he first came out of surgery. Yeah. Um, well, and even if he does, he was never, you know, the Daniel Bryan or the Edge. At least not that part. Yeah, he's he doesn't have that thing where if he comes back, I mean, he could, he could come back. But nobody's going to be rooting for him in that way, you know. I think only the hardcores will. They will because they'll be glad. I mean, they'll 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 be the hardcores will be rooting for him like you know Washington football fans were rooting for for Alex Smith, right when he came back and and we saw him get dirt done dirty by the the organization and he said I'm not going to stop I'm going to keep pushing and then he came back and you know led him to a a, a, a division championship and a playoff by start. default and yeah by default <laughs> but then Colt Brennan you know you heard the news about Colt Brennan you're from University of Hawaii. And he's dead now. When? Yeah. Yeah, man. When he died? Like yesterday. Oh, my God. Yeah. Breaking news. That's like my dude. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember Hawaii played Georgia and got whipped. Yeah. That could have been in my Google. Um. All right. So, back back to your uh, blackface. 37. Uh, dies at 37. Yeah. Back to your blackface yes. uh, comments. Yeah. Won't be on uh, Peacock because they're the right right to censor now. I don't know. Um, I think I, no, I did it on my Facebook page. You didn't see that part. Um, call, they call Peacock right to censor uh, because all the stuff that's happening over the years, like uh, you won't see it on Peacock. I am wondering though. However, the live sex celebration between Edge and Lita. 
because that was racy as fuck. Oh, and Lita, I mean, she sued. I didn't know she sued, but I knew that both of them were into it, and they were like, you know how you do promos, you you, you talk the game, yeah. and Vince McMahon said, hey, let's do that live sex celebration. And I'm looking on USA Television, I'm at a friend's house at the time, and I'm like, no, they're not going to have sex on TV. You can't do that. It's, it's FCC TV. You can't do that stuff. Yeah. And they put John Cena in there to cover up, to help... Uh, you know, make it happen or whatever, how it turned out. Just like uh, Trish Stratus stripping down to her thong in the ring when Vince McMahon forced her to do that. And, you know, as a teenager, you, you're thinking like, ooh, ooh, we get to see it. But you thinking as an adult, like, come on now, we're on TV. You yeah, as, as a kid, as a as a 13-year-old child or 12-year-old, you know, watching it, you're like, oh, man, this is amazing. Yeah. You know, this you have no social context. You know, whatsoever. There was no social media. There was no internet, no free adult websites. You had to go for what you know. Yes. And um, and that's why I have a guy in my personal life. Um, he always talks to me about the Attitude Era, and I have to tell him, shut the hell up. Because the Attitude Era did not age well with a lot of their content. The only no. thing The only thing it was was Stone Cold The Rock, D-Generation X. I mean, that's and, that. Oh, man. Uh, BlurredsOnline.com. Nice. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, this is an image of DX all in um, different shades of black and brown. But, you know, this is the other thing. Except for China. Except for China. Um, but that, but, but, but it was like that, that, you know, I could say for them, apart from uh, the governor of Virginia, like they're trying to piss off their opponents instead of pissing off the audit, the the uh, demographic and audience that does not give an excuse for that. Yeah. But when it came to the mind and intent of that, I could say you're trying to piss off the nation of domination. You're not trying to piss off black people, right? And there was no PC. But, well, I there was would no say, PC or PR, right? But I would also say that the nation of domination, in and of itself, as a stable that was created potentially by Vince McMahon, is making black people who are interested in black liberation and heels yeah. and villains yeah. and um, not deserving of awards because you feel like you are deserving of it. You see what I mean? So it, I, I hear what you're saying. It draws the, it draws the uh, angst of black um, of the black wrestling audience instead of trying to be heels. It's like they're saying what we're thinking. And justifies white fears and apprehensions Ooh. about the deserving nature of these performers. Oh, well, yeah. it's it, it, You're not not champions because of your race. You know, you're not champions because you haven't earned it and you think you've earned it. And, and uh, there are times now where, uh, I will say this first, Every year around Black History Month in February, which I don't celebrate, but I don't celebrate Black History Month because I live it. It's all over 365. Right. This is an education for people who are not knowing of, of the history, but it's still I could tell you like in, in June. Um, every year up until 2019, there's always been debates about there's never been a black champion in WWE. Now, technically, in 1998, it was The Rock who was of black and Samoan descent. But they never but said that. 
they come out and they come out and utilize his Samoan heritage more than his black heritage. They never mention. When did they mention that? The they Rock rarely do. They rarely do with his father because his father was the first black tag team champions. Him and Tony Atlas in '83, the Soul Patrol. Okay. So and also TNA wrestling. Uh, when Jay Lethal and Consequences Creed, who is now Xavier Woods. When they won the TNA Tag Team titles, they did the same pose that they did uh, back in 83. They got together, hugged, holding the titles up like that. Okay. Sure. So, okay. So, so when, so when The Rock won it, I didn't know that. Uh, I, I think I didn't take heed to that when I was in high school. But over the years, like there's never been a black champion. And people bring up the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Which is the, different. Which is different. And I say that all the time. I said Booker T, Mark Henry... They won that title, but also this, they brought it. I mean, Booker T brought that title, quote unquote, to WWE. Yeah, they WWE they they had acquisition and everything, um, but they they we they have we have this debate every year. Now, The Rock got on Twitter and said that you know I'm black, my father is black, you know, black Canadian, and that's it. And I was like, okay, listen to The Rock. You black, you Samoan, whatever. I'm going to go with it. About, let's see, 1998 to 2019, about 21 years later, Kofi Kingston won in WrestleMania. Big celebration. There's a video of MVP and Shaq Gaspar at the bar in tears watching the reaction. I don't know who took that. RIP to Shaq Gaspar because this month was when he passed away. He was a very sweet guy. Um, we weren't like the best of friends, but when we saw each other, it was on. Mm. And um, also, his show that he was trying to put out called Heels is on Showtime mm. um, about the wrestling business and everything. And he showed me a YouTube video of a table read, oh, and um, it, it still hurt me to this day because not only that he's dead, it's how he died, yeah. and the fact that he was one of the sweetest guys ever. He died saving his son, and mm. from a rip current in uh, California. So he was swimming out with his son. Um. And the rip current, the, the, the currents got stronger, and the lifeguards started coming back. And him and his party, they, you know, they were going back. He was like, you know, I gotta get my son. And it was going, and he said, he told the lifeguard, look, save my son, take my son. Next, you know, rip current got him. He was found two days later. Oh so it was heartbreaking to hear. And I bought a shirt from uh, Pro Wrestling Tees. No? Either them or Collar and Elbow with the, with the Roots of Fight kind of design on it. And I, you know, but anyway, excuse me. The Rock, uh, hope that didn't catch. The uh, The Rock and Kofi Kingston. So Kofi Kingston won it. I said, okay, we got a, we got the first African champion because mm-hmm. he's from Ghana. Mm-hmm. His family and lineage and moved to Boston, whatever. So people were, were like into it. And I was like, well, we still didn't, for, for you naysayers, we still never had a black WWE champion. And um, after that was Bobby Lashley, and that was at the expense of the Hurt Business when it happened. Yes, yes. And it, was um, the and it was, you know, beating the weakest possible, you know, person you could. <laughs> and then also, let's not forget how dirty I feel they did Kofi by coming, by letting Brock take the strap off him with a, a, a squash match. You know, like, you, you didn't... Kofi's good because Kofi will go out and he'll do business, you know. But that was that was wrong. No, that that was he. They had him straight up lay down for Brock Lesnar. Now, honestly, and that was to give Lesnar heat. 
Now, honestly, I would tell you, I would tell you that uh, it's, it's Brock freaking Lesnar, but Brock Lesnar was he was Universal Champion. He had matches with Daniel Bryan. He had matches with Finn Balor, and he booked for them. Oh yes, and he was he. I, for everybody. I almost had a heart attack when I saw those matches because Brock Lesnar's Brock Lesnar. I was like, okay, Daniel Bryan, Finn Balor, he ain't going to do much. He bumped for him. It was like Daniel Bryan got him in the yes lock. Uh, Finn Balor was doing all this. I was just like, you're bumping for these people. I think Ricochet, he did a move or two, which I didn't believe that match. And I like Ricochet. Yeah, and... It was just like, okay, you can't bump for Kofi. You can't bump for Kofi. Well, and I think you know, I think they did it because they wanted to give Brock maximum heat from taking the strap back on that match. But we'll say that the Kofi uh, Kofi Mania title run was lackluster because they didn't give him opponents that he could overcome and beat. You know, they just kept saying, okay, we're gonna give you Kevin Owens and we're gonna give you this person, we're gonna yeah. give you that person. So they it, did. They it, did it, the wasn't, Daniel Bryan build. You know, again. Well, you know, it's funny, get, uh, the guy who was before Kofi was Mustafa Ali. Right. He was, yeah. And um, they saw Kofi perform. And I've been a Kofi Kingston fan ever since he debuted. So, and the, real quick, so I remember I mentioned er- earlier to you the elaborate entrance of Chad Deity. This was before we started, like, podcast. And so one of the, the main characters of the elaborate entrance of Chad Deity is the character mm-hmm. that Mustafa Ali intentionally built his like the opposite he built the opposite of that which was the 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 camel clutching super kicking terrorist um uh character and mustafa ali built a character antithetical to that you talking about the retribution guy that he that he no was? no before that where mustafa ali was like i'm gonna be a superhero Okay. I'm gonna be a good guy. Yes. I'm gonna be. I'm not gonna do these things. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna uh, feed into the anti Middle Eastern rhetoric. Where if you're from this region, you are the heel, such as like the Iron Sheik. Well, he he's also a uh, a very active and practicing practicing Muslim. Yes. So um, you know anything of that nature, he will not do. I mean, he could play a heel. But he and just, he does, and they do it with. But they even. But you notice how they had to use Antifa, basically, as retribution. Let's not talk about that. Okay, okay, we don't have to go into that. Because, yeah. because um, I have I have uh, friends. I have, I'm friends with uh, Dom, Dominic Dijakovic, who was Dijak, and then also uh, Mia Yim, who was in there, and I think they're going to redebut her on the roster as of this moment. Um, then also I like Mercedes Martinez, but she didn't fit either. So right. it, you know, even though people in Russell talk call them the biker marks from Mars, because <laughs> that's how they look with the helmets yeah. and everything. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah. So um, I I I like Ali, and I try to look out for him and everything. But WrestleMania 37 was the first night you you had this. I'm gonna let you have it because you had this burning desire to talk about it. I did, and we're well into this podcast, so I want you to give you. Uh, I want you to give me your thoughts about. it. I'm not going to go down the match line. I will. I will. I'm going to take a sip. I got to pause. Oh. <laughs> all right, so we're back. Uh, we just had another break. Um, Sorry. We ju- we're just going all over the place, and in fact, that uh, my man Joe got this uh, indie beer on him. I do. Um, I don't know what it's called. It looks it's Peabody Heights. It's uh, I'm a I'm a big supporter of our neighborhood liquor store, Pigtown Liquor. Okay, uh, they're good folks. They're all 
it's family owned. They're really loving, beautiful people. Uh, you know, Pigtown, for anybody who's listening who hasn't been to Pigtown in Baltimore, um, it, it's the best little spot in Baltimore. All the businesses are, are family owned and everybody's pretty tight and works with one another and uplifts each other. And so if you have a chance, come down to Picktown Liquor, get some booze, come sit out, come sit out in front of the bookstore, go over to Mobtown, yeah. have a cocktail. Um, so, um, you know, before we cut for another break, I want you to tell me what you think about WrestleMania 37. Cause I know I have been spotting name dropping this event all over the episode. Yeah, WrestleMania 37 was a tale of two evenings, you know, wasn't it? You had an evening that really lived That's up an episode. That's to an episode the, that I can use. Yeah, it, 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 it had, it, it, you had evening one, which I felt lived up to everything you want in a WrestleMania. It had the pageantry, it, it had the builds of big, big fight. You know, it had that big fight feel with a lot of the matches. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, I remember you and I, we, we, we were, were conversing and actually debating a little bit on our Instagrams about the match card, right? Because I, I think yes. you, you were pissed that, and, and, and rightfully so I could hear this, you know, that Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre opened up night one. Well, I was... I was uh, pissed because when it comes to WWE and when it comes to wrestling promotions, period, the top, the, the the top of the top is the person holding the belt. Next to that person at the top is the franchise person. Now, which has which CM Punk, you know, he had a big problem with that, right? Remember, like, in, in well, yeah, line. he was he was like the middle of the night in WrestleMania uh, twenty eight, I believe, because he was second to John Cena and The Rock. Mm-hmm. And when he said that during his pipe bomb of 2011, mm-hmm. I I uh, believed it. So, but the one thing that Mika Villas pulled was Drew McIntyre mm-hmm. wanted to be the first one out. He wanted to be the first one to have the first match in front of fans. So I understood that part, but me with the belt, I am like, you guys, if not close the show, be like the match before the popcorn break match to yeah, the, see, I for feel the Bianca like, Belair. I feel like if you're not gonna if you're not gonna close the show, then I wanna open the show. And um as a performer. And and, and you know, we all got tired of uh, what's his name that did that for like eight years. But I even had an issue with that a couple of years ago at WrestleMania 35 when Brock Lesnar and Seth Rollins opened the show. Damn, I loved it. And um, because you, I knew, mean, the matches, the, the matches, the match. Well, and you know, and you knew that Becky and Ronda and Charlotte were gonna head, were gonna main event. That was news. That, that was the news. So if you're not gonna close the show, let's set it off. Okay. You know. So. So they started, and at first they had a little rain. They had a little rain delay, and um, I even joked about the the, the shoot interviews, not the shoot, the uh, hurried interviews in the back. Yeah, and you know, it made me think about that JR line. We're live, pal. You know, you gotta you gotta keep going. <laughs> and you know these, you know, in wrestling, these guys are like, okay, I'm working with you. You my workmate. This is what we're gonna do. And then, not going out in the ramp is like, oh. Oh, you want to start something in the back? You want to start something? You kind of get that hype. So you're like, oh, God, they got to start something in order to generate something. <laughs> so um, that happened. And um, 
it was crazy to me because I thought Bobby was going to lose because Drew has been that guy for the last year. And they ran a special on him. Yeah. He won it uh, in the empty arena part of the pandemic. Something like Drew going to get that pop when he wins. Yeah. So when Bobby won it, the black person, the black part of me is like, yeah, we got it. It was a pyrrhic victory for me. Mm. Oh, oh, it was, yeah, it was what, a pyrrhic victory. victory. It was like he won, but there is, there still is, but there's no Hurt Business. There's no Shelton. There's no Cedric. Yeah. And they're both awesome guys. In and out the ring. And Mika and I joked about this. And, and you know, because I was upset. I was upset, number one, because Drew McIntyre almost walked out of the Elimination Chamber as a champion. Bobby Lashley went to beat him up. And The Miz cashed in on Black History Month. Right. So I said that at one point. So the the uh, after that, you know, MVP walked up and said, you owe us. Yes. You owe us something. So that happened. And there was a lot of buffoonery with that. I... Was it buffoon? Was that buffoonery? It was buffoonery of the Miz. Oh yes, because okay. he was okay. trying to say that he got stomach problems, ain't gonna happen, oh, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That three, the, the the whole episode. Yeah, yeah. So, and I watched this on YouTube. So after that, uh, Bobby Lashley wins. He's the champ. I say, okay, Bobby's going to WrestleMania. Guess who's going to WrestleMania with him? Drew McIntyre. So some people didn't believe me. They say, oh, the Miz gonna come back and get it. Like, no, because the Miz is with Bad Bunny. I don't know why he was yeah. champion in the first place. So when Tra- you know a transitional champion. So so when because they had to protect Mitt, they had to protect Drew. It's all the video game stuff. You know what I mean. So uh, in the weeks prior, they broke up the hurt business. So I'm thinking in my mind, like, okay, if Drew wins it at WrestleMania, why don't you break him up the night after? Say you weren't there, you weren't there, and you dropped the ball, even though it's cliched. Yeah. Just like the uh, Lewis and Clark walking on the cliff. This is the Pacific Ocean. It was cliche. <laughs> so when that happened, I'm like, I like Cedric Alexander. He's a good guy. I know his wife, who's Big Swole. They're awesome people. <gasps> oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, because Cedric was in the Cruiserweight Oh, classic. can Cedric come to AEW, please? Cedric, AEW, confirm. Hey. Um, but he was at the Cruiserweight Classic. No, no, no. It wasn't that. It was the May Young, because okay. uh, Big Swole was there as her name, Ariel Monroe, even though her last name is Johnson now, and they had their daughter, and she lost the match, and her daughter was crying in the crowd, and Cedric was holding her. So, I honestly, even though I don't like babies crying, I liked that part because it was real to her. Oh, but that's beautiful, I mean, because it reminds me of being a child when I watched Bret the Hitman Hart drop the title at, I think, uh, oh God, what were, it was the Royal Rumble. It might have been the 92 Royal Rumble. No, that was Ric Flair when he won the title. Yes. Um, I, I can't remember what Royal, I can't remember the year, but I was a child. Bret Hart dropped the title at the Royal Rumble? Bret, Bret Hart dropped the title to Razor Ramon. No, he didn't. Where, where did he drop the title to Razor Ramon at? Um, he never did. The Royal Rumble in 93, he fought Razor Ramon for the world title and won. He won that. What? Yeah, he won. He won that uh, Royal Rumble because that was like oh. headlining going to Yokozuna, and I don't even like to talk about that. Where he where he wrestled Yokozuna at WrestleMania ten, nine, nine. That's right. Which is one of the worst one. WrestleManias ever. Oh my God! Wait, he didn't. Bret Hart didn't drop it to Razor Ramon. No, he dropped Damn. it to Yokozuna, and then what's his name came in there, gave the leg drop, and oh. gave that happy ending for people to go home. Oh, that's and, terrible. And the only time, the, the first time that never happened was Triple H at 2000. 
where he was a world champion and he was the heel that closed the show. So, um, yeah, they did their match. Um, I'm trying to name some other ones. There was like a women's match and uh, Mika laughed at, uh, uh, what's her name, Slipping. Uh, both wait, wait, what about King of the Ring? Did he drop the belt to him at King of the Ring? No. He won He won the King of the Ring in, in Hull and, and got attacked by Jerry the King Law. Beat Razor and Monk. Okay. Yeah. Because I have, anyway, I have like, Deep, so deep uh, childhood memories. I'm gonna I'm gonna summarize for me. Uh, the women's match I didn't have no interest in except for Riot Squad winning because they were actually a team. Uh, Cesaro versus Seth Rollins was the match for me. Was the sleeper match because night Cesaro. Two. That's night one. Cesaro never really got his due. And Vince McMahon even even actually said it on the Stone Cold podcast like years ago. Yeah, it was a good it was a good match, but again, it's just like. It was a sleeper match for me that like wanted to wow you. Yeah, it's just sad to me <laughs> that you know Cesaro has no personality. Are you serious? I mean, he doesn't seem to have. I mean, what is his personality in terms of like when he gets on the mic, when he's talking? He's a he's an astute. Uh, he's Swiss. He's an astute European guy. I remember he had a European gimmick after he debuted, and they had the European rap music as his uh, as his theme song, and I liked it. I liked it far better than which Cyrus. I'm into. So, it, like, I, I want to see him. But he was yodeling at one point in the ring. Yeah, see, but that's, that's what I'm talking about. He will do. He is like I'm gonna throw spaghetti at the wall type of gimmick wrestler, where it's just like, what is? Will this work? Will the people like this? Will they like me now? You know, and he is just a fucking good wrestler. And that's all he needs to be, I think. You know, they tried to pair him with Paul Heyman at one time and and have Heyman build him up, but that was short-lived, like most things in WWE. I mean, the WWE with gimmicks is like the NFL with head coaches. If you don't win 10 games in your first fucking season, you're gone. Well, the only problem I have is that with certain gimmicks, that there are certain gimmicks that fans liked, but when it comes to the management, if they don't like it, then it's going to go. Oh, you better not get yourself over yeah. in the WWE because they'll bury you just as soon as you try to get yourself over. Yeah, the same thing with the Hollywood Blondes and WCW. Like, they were so over, and like for some reason, WCW didn't see it, Yeah, and they broke them up. So this is the version of why we can't have nice things. Yes. And same thing with the Hurt <laughs> Business. Um. So, again, your highlights from night one. Night one, I mean, you know, um, the the New Day, AJ Styles and... Omos. Omos. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know how to... Big Taco, what I call him. Big Taco. Because there's, there's a player in the NBA named uh, Taco or something. He's like seven feet tall also, and uh, I think he's over seven feet tall. That was a good booking. That was a really good booking because you saw... Um, the New Day being very strategic, trying to keep him out of there, right? Mm-hmm. And so there was great storytelling in that match. And it was a match that we hadn't seen a billion times in the WWE, which is usually what happens in WWE. You see the same match because of their 50-50 booking. Everybody knows this. Well, yeah. also AJ Styles can wrestle a broom, a broom, uh, a broom and can make it something. A- 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 AJ Styles could wrestle a fucking throw rug. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And have and you know, I mean, the, well, there's a famous. Uh, is it is it New Japan? That was got- Kenny Omega and a uh, nine year old girl, and then it was DDT. I think they were both for DDT. Somebody somebody what? wrestled a, a, a blow up doll. That was Kenny Omega. That was Kenny Omega. Yeah, yeah. Kenny Omega was you know, and it was and it's hilarious. And AJ Styles could do that. And and but the 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 strategy of the New Day, and then when almost got in there and just destroyed him, it was like okay, great. That's good. That is booking that um, that fee that really pushes this character forward, you know, because I want to see where he goes. Well, he's the big man that strikes fear seven feet tall. It, it, it's also not the first time. It's been done a billion times with oh, people yeah. seven feet tall. Giant Gonzalez. It, especially being for somebody who's green because almost is not that thoroughly trained. Yeah. And they're protecting him. Yeah. So that's what. So, but again, with AJ and Omos winning the belts, I can't say much about it because years ago I was in New Orleans and I saw Braun Strowman and with a little and John Cone's son win yeah. belts. Yeah, and I said that's the luckiest kid ever to be in a ring at WrestleMania and you are a title holder and your name is in the books. Yeah, you are um, officially. You know, so you know, and then you had. Um, I mean the the Bier, the Bianca Belair and Banks match fully delivered. Now you knew I, I had a feeling Belair was going to win. You know, I think a lot of people did, but a lot of again I, I hate to bring race up like that, but a lot of us black people were just so mesmerized by two black women yes. main eventing. So again, what I said about the WWE title. It didn't piss me off that much like I'm pissed off. It was just like, why is the WWE title like on higher on in the card like that? But it was news that they're going to headline and say, okay, showcase the black girl magic for the culture, represent. And honestly, I'm in a black wrestling group called the Nation of African American Wrestling Fans, uh, which is done by my man Big Bear in Georgia. It pissed me off that even though that we embraced the match, people were discounting Sasha Banks because of her uh, background. Her background in what way? She's mixed. Okay. And, and Yeah, but and in America, to, that doesn't fucking matter. But again, I said, <laughs> she's black. She's wrestling. Embrace yeah, it. She is black in America. Her cousin is Snoop Dogg. Yes. Her, she's her, black. Her cousins, and look at the laws. Her cousins I mean? are, are Brandy and uh, Ray J. Uh, but... I, I I don't know how you try to say that you know and again I'm a, I'm a white I'm a white man so mm-hmm. like I don't my opinion doesn't mean shit but I don't know how you say Sasha Sasha Banks is not somehow black enough because she is of mixed race. This is an internal thing within us black people where like if you it's a one drop rule which yes. uh, the the slave masters uh, white people made but it's also another one drop rule that our at least a toxic part in our community has made. Look, so if yeah. you're mixed race, a Caucasian descent, you're not fully black. And there was a... Uh, but you're not fully white there, either. There's yeah. a friend of mine who is... Uh, who There's a friend of mine who's mixed and um, she has a sister. A friend of mine is light-skinned, red bone, whatever. Mm-hmm. Her sister is brown skin. If I met her and then she took me to see her mother, mm-hmm. I would not believe it. Let me tell you this. There's a few great books since we're in a bookstore mm-hmm. and I run a bookstore mm-hmm. with my wife who owns the bookstore. There's a book called Redbone by Jacqueline Woodson. That mm-hmm. is an amazing fucking book. 
It's a generational book. Absolute must read. And there's another book called Vanishing Half about two twin sisters who grow up in a town just north of of New Orleans, Louisiana. And the town is all black Americans who could pass as white. And so it's a big theme in the book. Uh, it's called that sounds Vanishing. really, really interesting. It was, I mean, it was, uh, there's a reason why it was the number one New York Times bestseller for like over a year, Oprah Book Club, Barack Obama said best book of 2020, et cetera, et cetera. Van- My favorite book of 2020 for sure, Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett and Jacqueline Woodson's Redbone. Touches very beautifully on, on this exact We're into this subject. quarantine. I had never heard of that, but thank you for referencing that. Yeah. So, um, so Bianca won and that whip that she did on Sasha Banks was just so awesome. When she whipped him in her in her abdomen, it went off like a gun and I was just like, Wow. They they showed out that match, you know, it, it Uh we Ladies yeah, we and gentlemen of Shy Lounge, we're in the building of a bookstore, but it's also a urban uh, building where we have tenants upstairs. Uh, so, I tell you, I've heard much more than that in the past, Shinblade. Uh, good night, everybody. We're gonna close this show yeah. out, and he's gonna tell me what happened. No, <laughs> don't worry. I live in a I live in a flat or a row house, what they call it, and I heard some things too. Oh yeah, yeah. Like so, I yeah, I've I knew entirely too much about somebody's like oh sound. Well, oh, <laughs> like, bro, I was editing. I, and funny enough, I was editing an episode of our oh, Once Upon God. a Story Time. And I was like doing this. There's the monster shuffle, and I was like editing this okay. like, time warp to this monster dance. Uh-huh. And I just heard people going off. And I mean, oh, they were frogging. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it was like, I mean, I had to really stop. I was like, I'm not trying to listen to this. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not trying to eavesdrop on it. But I can't. It's the, the walls my are headphones. doing it. Yeah, I'm like, listen, like it's the monster shuffle, and I'm here, like. <laughs> <laughs> You know, wild. on the off note, you know it's funny that when you hear stuff like that, if you actually know the location and which which where it is, and you, and you have to see and, the and person, you see the, the person, day. you're kind of doing like an inner judging, like, yeah, or even good or bad, you're doing an inner judging, like, wow. Yeah, I was trying you to know? kind of, be, I was like, is she in? A, is he? I mean, he's <laughs> obviously. <laughs> But is she real on it? Is she really? But she could have, like, she could have, you know, had hers multiple times and is just like, yeah, like, I'm Put the kids to bed. Yeah, exactly. Um, Um, But, 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 but but I want to, but what I, but without digressing, the Bianca Belair Sasha Banks match fully delivered. I mean, that was main event caliber all the way through. It had everything. And you know what? I knew she was going to win and that's how great it was. It still felt awesome when she did. You know, and, and I love Sasha. Like and I I think Sasha gets a bad run in WWE because she's had so many times. She's held the title so many times, but she's had really lousy runs with the title, right? She like has okay. maybe one successful defense. Well, also, um, I suspend myself from toxic wrestling fans because of what happened two years ago with her and Bailey, and they had the tag titles and they lost it at WrestleMania, and the internet all of a sudden right ran to the lot- iconics. Yeah, and that and, was, and, but that was also the death of the women's tag. But but also belts. they they ran, well they were just created like a month before. They were they, yeah. They but ran, at least they had a tournament. 
they ran the uh, storyline of Sasha and Bailey was having attitude fits and hotels and right. whatever, and, that, and that's in that Sasha Banks documentary, and, and that's one of the few moments I just want to tell people shut the fuck up and let people live and do their thing. Um, that's why I hate about rumor mills because they're like, oh, this happening, this happening, and if the person are it, it, it prevents the person itself to tell their story. Yes. Why I was gone. What was going on. I'm ready for that. Now, there are times where I can go with my own conclusion and say, this is what I think. That doesn't mean you listen to what I say or you take in what I say. This is what I think. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when the people say, like, this is why I'm out. All right. I'm right. Okay, that's what happened. I'm wrong. Okay, it didn't work. But people want to go at it just like, oh, they had a fit in hotel rooms. That's, that's, that's what I, mm. I just want to hear. If they're open enough, I'll hear it later. I don't care. I don't talk about things that are false, like for real. Yeah. So I give opinions. Um, let's go to <laughs> a tale of two nights. Let's go to night two. I know oh you're I mean, I'm dredging like, I, for this. Like, honestly, I mean, okay. So, <laughs> I mean, the biggest disappointment of night two. Um, oh, by the way, uh, Bad Bunny. Night one. Oh, Bad Bunny. Let's give it up to Bad Bunny, <laughs> everybody. I mean, really. Let, let's let give it up. Like, there has been a lot of um, celebrities and celebrities who are professional athletes who stepped into the ring. I mean, we could go from Mike Tyson to Carl Malone, you know, all on and on. And Bad Bunny is a fucking Spotify star artist. I know nothing about Bad Bunny. I I've he never heard a single Bad Bunny song. Until he came out to the Royal Rumble. I had no idea who Bad Bunny was. He has millions of followers on Instagram and the Twitter. The most streamed artist of 2020 on Spotify. I have never heard of it. I'm an old 37-year-old man who, who listens to the hurdy-gurdy when he goes rowing at Earth Treks. Okay? That's, that's, that's my music. I thought I, I thought when you said most stream, which that is actually a true statistic. Yeah. I was thinking about Drake, but I never heard anything about Drake. And let's be honest with you, you don't know this, but I don't really listen to today's music like that, except for a few people. Yeah. I don't really listen to anybody like that. So when I when I heard Bad Bunny, I didn't know who he is. I didn't know who what it was. Inspired by Bugs Bunny, which Jim Cornette calls him. I did not know who he is, but he had a song, and it sounded like mumble rap, but it was like a reggae tone type thing because he was from yes. Puerto Rico. Yes. But he had a song called Booker T. It's like, okay, you're a wrestling fan. You get all these streams. So it's business of WWE to put him on television. Most stream artists, all right, I'm in. Yeah, I respect yeah. business, even if I like the music, if I don't like the music. doesn't matter. It's business. He has a following. Yeah. They pop for him in the crowd. Cindy, and and Mika Villa it, said it also. It's Cindy Lauper. Yeah. The Bad Bunny, whatever. Yeah, you know? so I said that Bad Bunny tremendously raised the bar in celebrity wrestling. Tremendously. Uh, I can't imagine. I mean, remember when that dude um, from the Green Arrow? Stephen Amell? Yeah. I saw him live at uh, All In. I okay. saw him live at All In. Bad Bunny wrestled a better match than Stephen, what's his name? Amell. Has ever wrestled. I, as far as ability is concerned, we can't talk about that because I think Steven, he got on the top ro- uh, top turnbuckle a couple times. But the, I think the Arrowverse versus Bad Bunny fans, I, I can't talk about that either, but Stephen Amell to me is like top 10. 
He's top ten of celebrities wrestling, or even top five if I can't count. The Bad ten. Bunny has got to be top five. And then also Bow Wow is going to be coming soon. Okay, well, but that you know he's got a life. I mean Bow Wow's been well. He's training at Rikishi School. Yeah, so Bow Wow and then Soldier Boy they teased him into wrestling, but Soldier Boy is not going to be in WWE because he has domestic uh, situations. Oh, okay. Because um, him and Randy Orton was going back and forth on Twitter. Okay. And to me, um, I don't know Randy Orton from Saul. I, I know his dad. Okay. But, you know, it was just hilarious to me. I mean, was, but Bad Bunny put on a great, great show. And, and they put him in that, that position to make him look good, you know. But he delivered. I was shocked because usually celebrities get in the ring like, I'm a tussle a little bit and whatever yeah, have a spot. move here but when he caught an elbow tied up from like the jump I was like oh okay well, that that had been all the reports that were coming out too about his training that was that he looked really good he tra- he trained with Norman Smiley okay um I don't want to lie here Norman Smiley a couple other people in the performance center okay so when he said he going to do it he went down to the performance center and done it not just show up at the arena and say like okay what do you want me to do? Right. Like that. But the the, the part that I agree with purists and even Cornette was Damian Priest didn't have time. I've known Damian Priest for years. Punisher Martinez in, in the Northeastern area. And they, he just came out with, uh, with a little documentary too. And um, I was like, okay, I want to see Punisher Martinez because that's what I called him. The ring, do his thing, but it was just bad money. Yeah. And to me personally, that was the USA Today to put out in the paperwork, this guy's wrestling just like Ron Rousey or her debut. Mm-hmm. That's for the USA Today and the people crowd, whatever publication you want to call it. But yeah, he raised that bar and I was just so amazed. I was like, what's his name again? Bad Bunny? Let me look, and go on YouTube and yeah. listen to his stuff. I still haven't heard a Bad Bunny song. <laughs> but I, I've watched that match what, a few times. Well, just like Spotify, his YouTube streams are up there too. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure. I'm so, too old for that shit. <laughs> me too. I mean? I'm too old for that shit. Like I said, I just found out about the instrument called the hurdy gurdy, and I'm all about the hurdy gurdy right now. I gotta Google that. You gotta Google hurdy gurdy, and like, look, it is a violin. It is a it is a old old instrument. And it is one person who makes all the sounds. You gotta look up the hurdy gurdy. All right, so night two, night two, the okay. So first, night two was just bad from the beginning. The Fiend versus Randy Orton was the worst Fiend match that has ever. You know, I know that Vince McMahon and WWE has been attempting to bury uh, Bray Wyatt and the and, and that Fiend. From the very beginning, they have misbooked that character. I don't know why they didn't allow him to become the um, supernatural figure, well, a la I, the Undertaker that he should have been built to replace. Well, I did see that when he first revamped into the Mister Rogers Funhouse type yes. character. Yeah. The problem I have with Bray Wyatt period is not even of him; is okay. the fact of people handling him. Because when he first came to the roster, when I saw him at NXT, he was like this backwoods cult leader. Yeah. And people gravitated towards that. Before Husky Harris. I mean, after, after, Husky, after yeah, Husky Harris. Yeah. Um, He got up there and did that. Then he changed it. The, the guys left him, and he was sporting dreadlocks and whatever. Have you. He kept evolving, and people liked it no matter what. Well, let me tell you, and I think he had the dreadlocks in part because it's a way for white people 
to not lose all of their hair. That part I got a little concerned about uh, I think with was, the dreadlocks. I think he was trying not to. I think he's balding. So if you lock it up, you like save it. That's what I think. I don't know. I don't know that for sure. If you if you do it too tight, it can uh, mess with your follicles. Because I had dreadlocks in the past. Yeah. Um. So he he has a Mister Rogers character, and plus he gets create. I don't know who gave it to him, but his well creative, first they bury his creative they freedom bury is there. The cult leader. Um. Yes. Because he, he just had, kept losing. Yeah, and they revamped him. He was the, he was this Mister Rogers character. People liked the puppets. It was something new. That's hilarious. And, and all dark. of a sudden, the part that I had a problem with, they gave him they gave him the belt instead of being his character to lurk from the shadows yeah, and too have fast. with people. Well, I, I have a problem with the the invincible character because you made yeah. this guy invincible, scaring people in his dreams like the boogeyman. Because how long was it before the Undertaker ever got a year the title? It was a year. It was only a year? Yeah. Because he debuted in 92 at the Survivor Series. 90. He was part of the million yeah. dollar... He was, he was right, part of the million dollar Right, uh, marched team, him out. Yeah. And he was with Brother Love before they changed him over to Paul Bearer in about and a number of And then a year later, he beat... Hulk Hogan. Hogan. Duke. He yeah. beat him for that. Um, yeah. Honestly, I want to get to that point so bad. Because I think it was night two instead of night one. But that was the biggest smile I ever had at WrestleMania when Titus O'Neil and Duke came out. And Titus is a very good guy. He's a very nice guy. Interacted with him a little bit at Twitter. Because I said nice things because his stuff has been contributions. His wrestling career wasn't there. No. But his contributions just been over the top. As just a, a human being in the world. And, Titus O'Neil is a, is a, is a, and, and, a real life, like real life fucking hero and superstar. And let's talk business. I get it. Titus O'Neil is not a household name, so if you make him the host, you know you ask who? Who is that guy? Right. And wrestling fans will know. Yeah, WWE it, fans. Will so know. for the pop culture crowd to get that, they had Duke come out in spite of what happened in 2012, which I know, mm-hmm. in 2015 when it surfaced. So they had him come out, and it. Joe, I was crying in laughter because he got booed. It was so audible. You, you can't see it on the network. You can't see it on the network. I think I have a copy of WrestleMania fresh out of whatever site yeah. where they kept everything in. Where they booed the hell out of him. It was so funny. And there were people, Mika was in the crowd. People were like, why are you booing Hulk Hogan? He's a legend and whatever. And, you know, a lot of people go by, he's a racist. I don't use that to boo him. Because that tape that he had was private and it was leaked. That was his best friend, Bubba the Love Sponge, Uh taping him have sex with his wife. Yeah. Gross. Yeah, but leaked. But... Uh, Was it leaked? To me... Well, no, 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 no. It... It was... Uh, you think... He, oh, so I, I, okay, personally, as far as Hulk Hogan knowing, it was leaked. Yeah. It was leaked. He don't know about it. He wasn't making a profit. It was some strange friendship they got. Like, you can have sex with my wife. And he put a tape in the room, He's and that's cucking. what happened. Cucking. Yeah. That's what it's called. Well, cuck holding is when they do it in front of you. Oh, he When they're yeah, like... You got a tape, and you're going to watch it later. It's voyeurism. That's it's what it still. is. But he... Just like Ray J with Kim Kardashian wanted to make some money off of Hulk Hogan. And that's your best friend. So 
the tape leaked and the conversation that happened before they had sex, I saw the tape, unfortunately, from Gawker, which they shut that site down. And he said the racist stuff up there. I didn't put that against Hogan in my personal book. I put it against Hogan because Hogan was lazy as far as wrestling in the United States and doing what they accused John Cena of and not putting certain people over and yeah. having creative control over everything like that. Because, uh, and then also doing cocaine with Junkyard Dog and going on the road and everything. And, and, and Legends has told me this. Yeah. Um, even Ultimate Warrior came up with those cryptic videos in the past before he made up with Vince McMahon before he died. He was like, Hogan, that fanny pack, you hide your weed in that. And when those little renegade videos he was doing. So I never gave Hogan like the racial comment. I was like, yeah, you said some pretty disgusting stuff, but that was the privacy part. Because people say some fucked up shit in their house. Apart from being in public. Yeah. So that's why when, what's his name, said grab him by the pussy, I did not give him heat for that. Yeah. He already had his own heat. Yeah. But, again, when you got with money and there's women out there that let you do that, even though that's not right. Well, I don't know. That there's the women, women that... I was going to say, I don't know that the women let him do it. I think it was done to them. That's and, one part. And then you can only... There's only so much you can do or say about it. But also there's... Because of the position of that person. That's the part I was you saying. I mean? Women who subject themselves to do that, just like the NBA players, and you don't have to use a condom, and they have babies, and they got the child support and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, I, th- I still think that's different than, uh, than some of them like, oh, they, yeah, I can just go up and grab people by their pussies, and nah, they just don't, they don't care. You know, it's yeah. like, no, they fucking care. They don't... You got so many depositions on that. But we live in a world where they don't have the ability to, you know, X, Y, or Z. Yeah, you know, so... Yeah, I mean, Hogan... Thing is, too, is like there's a crazy thing about Hogan where you learn that he worked a bunch of matches uh, with uh, Andre the Giant, you know, prior to the big slam. That was when he was with Freddie Blassie, and yeah. that was back in, like, 78 up until 80 or something. And he, there's a lot of Hogan where he's working with guys. He's putting on good matches. It's like when when Cena did the United States Open Challenge, mm-hmm. and they basically, I think, did that to try to cool him off with the fans who were trying to say he couldn't wrestle by showing the range of wrestling that he could actually engage in. Well, a lot of those people that are main events, including Cena himself, you know, just like, we just do the same old shtick. I win, I raise my hand up, people cheer. And it got so polarized to the crowd where it's like, we don't want the same old stuff. Yeah. We want to see you go, go do the thing. Yeah. Because not only that, I'll go back history for you. Ric Flair, NWA champion. Went all over the world. Every place he went to, almost every place he went to, he had 60-minute matches with people. Yeah. And he was giving his all. He's sweating, letting it out. Fans are cheering, even though this is a different day. And then you see matches like, you know, like we're just going to sit here for 10 minutes. And we've seen WrestleMania 3. We're going to sit here for 10 minutes. But we've seen Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and Macho Man tear down the house, yeah. even though we didn't expect that. Cry me a river. And then I seen Hogan wrestle the great mood in Japan and he was just all over the place. Yeah. So I was so to me personally, if you're wrestling, you gotta perform while the crowd. None of this posing, none of this we wanna see content. Yeah. And that's why you and many people are so bored when you go home and watch Raw and watch Smack SmackDown is coming up. Watch Raw and and everything. Well, like, even SmackDown. I mean, we, 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 you know who's gonna win the match, or you know the match is gonna end in a schmoz, 
or you know every match you know is gonna win. and at least you know I'll say this and I still watch like I'll read the I read the recaps on Bleacher Report but I watch AEW and you don't you kind of know who's gonna win but you don't know how it's gonna happen. Do you want to go to AEW and segue from WrestleMania? Well, we could, you know, could, uh, this is what I was saying. This is like what I said at the beginning. Wrestle, like, WWE product is just so uninteresting to me mm-hmm. because I'm never surprised. And, of course, like, look, about me, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a kid who was raised by my grandmother and both my parents are mentally retarded. And, like, I've grown up just being a fucking weirdo. Are, are you serious? Yeah, yeah, oh, both. Wow. Yeah, both my parents are mentally, and you know, because my father had a high fever and he was brain damaged, and my mom got literally dropped on her head when she was an infant. So, in, plus, so, so, not to cut you off. Yeah. In, in this day, in these terms, mentally retarded, I would say, mentally incapable. Yeah, you can't say that, but I mean, they, they are actually. I mean, if yeah, you yeah, just yeah, look yeah. at the definition yeah. of what, what what a retardation means is that there was something that happened to them. That that uh, did not allow their brains to fully develop in a way. So it's not being like, oh, you're a fucking retard. You know, it's like not about that. <laughs> it's like actual. It, it's a it's a medical description of a mental. Um, yes, because uh, my uh, grandmother deteriorated uh, to a certain point um, up until the day of till she died. But I was going to say about your parents. You're telling me that your parents are actually smarter than some of these people out here that live their life off social media 24-7. Oh, yeah, 100%. And all the fake facts that comes with it. Yeah, because they just, like, you know, they can just, they just live their life as humans. Mm -hmm. They're not um, constantly inundated with the world in a way that we believe that because we're connected to what's going on, we somehow think that we're informed. You know, I the more and more I wrestle with it, and you know, and I'm somebody that has to be connected to social media, and and well, being a businessman, yeah, being a businessman, and also being a a, a human being that lives in the world and believes that uh, I hope to you know when my record is counted, you know, I hope to have a a positive note in my ledger sheet, you know, in terms of that I lived my life in a way that was truthful, that was um, uh, of benefit to to my community and when i say my community i mean all of the people i engage with you know really like i i put others ahead of myself um because that's just how i was brought up to to be and my and myself also that's why you know i try to keep that level-headed minded of of being a podcaster and you know even if i've talked to big names and ran into them and they sat down and done my podcast it's like okay I'm grateful for the opportunity. I'm grateful that they done it, yeah. but I'm still me. Yeah, I don't get extra money in my pocket unless like I have unless I do get sponsors. I don't have extra money in my pocket. I don't live in a nice place on the other side of town. I'm still, uh, I would say I, I would say below your level because you got awards. <laughs> so, um, so I it's the matter of keeping a mindset, and I yeah, like. I'm not. I, I mean, my my you know it's like. Where does that come from? Who does it? It's just it's an acknowledgement. It means nothing, and it means it means you know a a, a thousand years from now nobody's gonna maybe nobody's gonna fucking care that I walked the earth, and I'm okay with that. But but also in in general public when they see that best of 2020, like it's something. Okay, 
let me go to the store. I saw you from Baltimore Magazine, and it, it, um, I can't even say it though. It it raises the business a little bit. It does. It so does. that's how I see it. It but goes from being. But people used to come in. We all have the time. this dichotomy of of public and private, and yes. we're both having the same thing. Yeah, and you know, people used to come in all the time. And they go, um, oh, a bookstore, huh? Good luck. You know what I mean? Basically, what a I mean, dick. They, yeah, all the time. <laughs> all the time, people come up and they look around. And they're like, oh, this is nice. Good luck. And then they leave. And I'd say, you know, you know what we need more than your good luck is we need you to buy something. <laughs> you know, like why are you wishing me good luck? However, that's the reality of it, right? It is. You got to put yourself over. But you don't have to blatant yourself in reality, like yo. Good luck with your business. Yeah, go, oh, oh the, this is a long shot. Uh, we'll see if you make it or not. And, you know, we, and because, but, you know, again, it's because we are very focused on, um, you know, we are here to be of service. That That's my life. Work is love made visible by mm-hmm. Khalil Gibran. Oh, I have the profit in my house. Yes. Work <laughs> is love That's made one of visible. the quotes. That was my grandmother's favorite book. I found her copy of it from 1921. It was gifted to her by her English teacher and it had my grandmother's writing in it and I read it after my and I didn't find it until after my grandmother and my grandfather both passed away Okay. and I read it and I was living in their house I was doing a, a, a play in D.C. I was supposed to go live with my grandfather he died shortly after my grandmother passed as is very common yeah. and I was living in house and so I was getting to mourn with all of their possessions and, and, and being there and I found this book and I found that and I read her I read her notes on it and that book forever you know, I don't say it changed my life. I will say that it solidified the path that I wanted to walk. And, you know, so all of that to say, it's like, you know, it's like, yeah, oh, some things happen. Some people say, what well, you still got to put in the work. You still got to put other people over. You know, you still got to sell for others. You, you still got to give it all every time because nobody cares about the last thing you did. It's about the next thing you did. And in WWE, I feel like it's all about the name that was made and not about the next match that you're going to have. And in AEW, it's all about what is the next... You're only as good as your last match. And and that's what I, that's what I love about AEW because it's about the matches and the wrestlers where WWE is about the brand. The sh- you know, it's almost like the NFL with the shield. This is this episode turned from being a guest host to a like almost like a sit down interview with you. I'm sorry. And no, no, no. It is is no, no. Don't don't apologize for this because you're laying some you're laying some shit down. Um, but anyway, uh, we were talking about uh, WWE. We were talking about night, we were talking about night two in the in the in the disappointments of it. Now, you know, and all of the the missed shots like the triple threat match. Which I was like, okay, I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm pretty sure Reigns is going to walk out the champ, okay? Because that's what's best for business. I wasn't into it because of Daniel Bryan. I, I, I wasn't into it because of Daniel Bryan either, too. And and he said in interviews afterwards that he didn't want to be in it. I bet he fucking because didn't. Because, you know, his contract as of this moment is up. So he is uh, free to do whatever. He has no 90-day complete compete clause. So if you want to pop up in AEW, he can pop up in AEW. But the thing about it is, here's the part where I don't think... Let me see Daniel Bryan versus Kenny Omega, please. 
like Please. with Mar Ronello doing commentary. Let me just like I'm just gonna now, fucking nut all now. over myself. Now, look, 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 look. I'm not gonna shit on your dream. That would be great, but I'm gonna tell you. I, I tell you, this is my opinion. I'm gonna put that out there. I don't think he's going to go anywhere. I think he's gonna take a, a vacation, a sabbatical, and then he's gonna come back in some capacity of where WWE will compromise. And I think um, he should. I think that's. I think that's good for him and his family. The part that okay, people were talking about AEW and everything, and I, and, and I guess you're one of the people that would say that too. The part that I tell people to please be quiet is the part where when he came out in that interview, he he said that um, he wanted to do something very simple. He wanted to put his little girl between his shoulders like a lot of fathers do, but he felt pain in the shoulders because he's enduring that wrestling life. So I said, okay, he wants to be a family man. So he's going to take off for a bit. He, he's one of those guys that don't seem like he spends a lot of money. Uh, be gaudy and everything, and then the Bellas are doing their own thing. Yeah, he's not like a a, a, a Baron Corbin who's like, I buy fucking a thousand watches a year, you know, and I collect watches. God, I, I you just bought him back up. Oh yeah, um, yeah no, I know nobody wants to talk about Baron Corbin, but he is on the roster, and he well, he he up. is, but I'm just remembering like where was he? He probably was in that battle royal or something. Yeah. Um, the same place. So so yeah. so. Going off of that, um, yeah, so my thing is, take some rest. You've done a lot. People love you. You're going to make money regardless wherever you go. Yeah. It's a pandemic, so you can't just go, like, say, I'm going to do indie shows because a lot of those shows, they don't really have money like that. They lost a lot of money. And I was supposed to go to Florida last year uh, before this hit and whatever, but my first shows coming back will probably be in November. Um, now, what do you mean your first shows? I mean, just going to shows. Oh, okay. Um, you know, I'm still mask off. I'm still observe and be distant, and 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 be, just because I'm vaccinated, don't mean I can just walk around aimlessly. No, you can't because you could endanger other people. But we should plan a trip to Dailies. Um, I know they're going to hit the road again, so they've already announced. Yeah, they they're, they're to going the to road. Texas and they're going to another part of Florida. But I do know people at AEW. I just want to digress really quickly and say that I'm a little disappointed that we're going to have fans. Me at too. wrestling events again because they, they, they don't know what they're going to say out their mouth when they first get in and, there. And they ruin, they don't allow for wrestlers to, to, to do something, to say something without providing right. their feedback. Right. It's almost like fans believe their reaction Good is Lord, as important Joe. as the talent <laughs> that's out there. I've been saying that for years. Yeah. This is why I like New Japan fans or fans in Japan because they are silent as a pin drop. They respect the talent. In the, in the match. There, there'll be occasional girl or guy chanting something. Uh, not not a chant, but they'll say, you know, ah, ah. but <laughs> they are, the focus is in the ring. Whatever action is in the ring is yes. going to happen. This is why I like certain indie companies where when the uh, match comes, the lights go down except for ring lights. Yeah. So it's about the wrestling. That's why when I was in New Orleans, I saw WrestleMania twenty, uh, WrestleMania what was two thousand fourteen. You saw that was WrestleMania thirty four. Yeah, Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. It was okay. With the I was, Rollins with the Rollins hijacking it. No, 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 no. It was that was uh, thirty one. Oh, okay, that was thirty one. That was good. 
that event, if you did not see that on the network, because I still haven't seen WrestleMania 34 on the network, was, uh, it, it was, uh, I was going to say invaded, but like I said, invaded by beach balls. They had beach oh, balls right. in the crowd, and it was all over one ball, one beach ball here, one beach ball there, one beach ball there, and I'm just like, even though I was bored, I'm like, why am I seeing beach balls? Why can't Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns get me interested in the match they can and and you know one time Cesaro got outside <laughs> it was some pay-per-view he was in a tag team he got outside the ring I think he was an illegal man he jumped in the crowd took the beach ball and ripped it in half yeah and he said that on a oh a, I remember that he talked he said that on the Smackdown episode last week he's like don't bring beach balls and that made me appreciate him more it's disrespect because when yeah. you're an actor and you're on stage yes Hijacked. That's what it was. Hijacked by beach balls. When you're out there and you're on stage, I'm looking at you, your performance, whether you suck or whether you're good. Mm -hmm. And well, and let's add this too, because as the performance is directly affected by the audience, Mm -hmm. right? There is a give and a take. And this is theater. Which and this is theater, and wrestling is theater. It is stage combat melodrama. Okay. Glad you didn't say the f word. Huh? I'm glad you didn't say the F word. What's the F word? Fake. No, no, it's not. <laughs> okay, People, I went back. Okay, when, when somebody goes fake, I always go, okay, okay, let me show you this thing. And somebody like does like uh, one and a half flips and a twist. And I'm like, okay, so did they really do one and a half tw- flips and a twist? Or was that fake? Did they somehow fake doing that in the air? And it's like, no, they really did Exactly. Well, not they only- really did it. Just because, look, you watch television and it's scripted, yeah. You don't have a problem with that. Well, when people say wrestling is fake, I say so is so is your uh, favorite reality show. So is your favorite, well, and it's like well, and it's because of kayfabe, right? So it's kayfabe where they used oh, kayfabe. to, huh? Kayfabe, kayfabe, right? Where they used to, you know, wrestlers would be like, "What do you mean?" And like, I don't know. This is really how I am. I don't travel with my best friend. Yeah, you know, he's my yeah. best friend, but we actually, you know, we fucking hate each other. You know, so that was kayfabe. Kayfabe is dead. Uh, life support. Because there are a few people that are actually doing it. Who? One is MJF. I know he M- does because he, but but that's part of his gimmick. But I know MJF. Yeah. And MJF is going to MJF. But that's his. But that's still part. That's part of his gimmick. You can't. You can't. You know, the world has taken. Was it the red pill or the blue pill well, or it, the Matrix? Well, it's just like method acting. It's like like Daniel Day Lewis. When you yeah. method act, from the moment you get out of bed. That is, you are the character. You're not Daniel Day-Lewis. So you know I was in the movie Lincoln, right? You were? I was in the movie Lincoln. I gotta watch that again. Okay, you gotta watch it. So I was cast as uh, uh, Chilton A. Elliott. I ended up being credited as Joseph A. Marsden. Uh, and, the, and the person who actually was cast as Joseph Marsden, these are just different random congressional representatives oh, at that time, okay? But I had a line, okay. nay, okay? One line, nay, okay? Did um, you... Did, it's under your name. Joseph A. Carlson, yeah. I'm on IMDb, okay, all okay, that fun shit. Okay, good. Yeah. So you have more credits than me. The lead singer of uh, some fucking band. Uh, was it Ballyhoo? Uh, oh, Carbon Leaf. The lead singer of Carbon Leaf was supposed to be Joseph A. Marsden. They cut him from the fucking moon, poor guy, for some reason. I became him. Anyway, I'm sitting in the, the um, makeup trailer, right? Getting my makeup mm-hmm. done. Because mm-hmm. I did like two and a half weeks mm-hmm. on set. And, and anyway... Um, and I can see the call sheet. And so number one on the call sheet is, uh, you know, 
Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis? Right. Yeah. Except number two on the call sheet is Sally Fields. Right? Yeah. Sally Fields played, uh, you know, uh, Mary Todd Lincoln. Yes, yes. So it says yeah. two, Sally Fields, Mary Todd Lincoln. It says three, Tommy Lee Jones, um, William H. Seward. Number one, it says, Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln. Mm-hmm. On the call sheet. Mm-hmm. Daniel Day Lewis would go all through Richmond, mm-hmm. and he would have food, he would have dinner, he would do whatever he did, and everybody in Richmond knew it was Daniel Day Lewis. And everybody in Richmond would just be like, Hi, welcome to, you know, wherever you are. Mm-hmm. What are you going to have today? Mm-hmm. New order. And he was never like a, a dickhead about mm-hmm. anything, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But he was always uh, Mary. Uh, Sally Field said, "I never met Daniel Day Lewis," and I. She played his wife. Yeah. Said, I never met Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah. I only ever met Abraham Lincoln. And Daniel Day Lewis is quoted as saying, um, in an interview, you can find this interview online, and he says, um, "Yeah, so for me, I have a very hard time getting into character. So once I get into character, I don't like to." get out of character because I'm not that good. Yes. <laughs> you because know? And I find that yeah. awesome. It's, it's an insanity to method method acting that you, like, like I said. But uh, not a Jared Leto method acting where it's like, I'm going to send you pig guts in the mail like he did to Val Davis on Suicide Squad. He just says like, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to ask that you respect this space of mine while I'm doing this thing. Did he, did he put that up first? What? Like, like, Say I'm going to do this. Who? Uh, Jared Leto. No, he just sent people random ass things and fucked with them. And Viola Davis was like, "No, no, no, I'm not about this." But as opposed to Daniel Day Lewis, who isn't fucking with other people to elicit things from him. Between that is Jim Carrey. Uh, when he did the uh, Andy Andy Kaufman, Andy, Andy Kaufman yeah, one, they had a documentary movie. about that. Yeah. Which I didn't finish. It's uh, a great documentary. I, I think I fell asleep on it, and it didn't have to continue. It's watching. very long. Um. But, like I said, kayfabe in some wrestlers happens. They are what they are, getting up and going back. So, anyway. Um, and MJF is a very old school heel. Right? Well, he learned from a lot of... He comes from Creative Pro in New York. And he learned... He was just such a sponge. I know him when he was a young boy. Yeah. So, like, he was cool dude to me. We passed phone numbers. But I know, like, if he came in here, he would just try to shit on me as much as he could. And it's just the three of us. Right. He would just do that. Or if you had a shop open and you had customers, he could be the rudest guy, but you think in your mind, like, MJF. I know, MJF. I know. I'd be like, oh my God, I'd, I'd be working out so hard for him to but, just fucking shit on me. But even though even though it's not good to be rude to your business, and you'd be like, he's MJF. If MJF came into my fucking store and I was able to go, MJF is in my fucking store, you know how much traffic I'm going to get? You know how many, I might sell three, four, five, six, books on online orders because they know that MJF came into the store. Yeah, and that's, and that's what I like about it. But um, you're saying about AEW, and we were talking about Daniel Bryan's uh, so-called sabbatical. That's what right. I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you had opinions. Okay, uh, you had opinions about Blood and Guts. Number yeah. one about that event, all the matches except for that was taped. It was taped and, and they showed it in the screens. On, I didn't know They that. showed that on the screens in Daly's Place and fans reacted to it, and they just taped their responses or whatever. I have no idea. Because of the setting of Blood and Guts, unlike WWE, they have to put that together. So whenever they had a cage match in WWE shows, they had a cage above the ring. Right. So there's like cage match. But Blood and Guts, they were like, we're going to have this 
War Games match, and they had to put it together and say, well, well they this had one could the two, They had the two rings yes. out. Because a friend of mine went down there for Blood and Guts, and they had the match, and before you talk about it, Tony Khan came out and said, you know, this is a one-match show, but if you want refunds, I can give it to you, which I don't know why that was news, because only five people asked for refunds. Yeah, and um, I can't fuck those people. And honestly, I I like <laughs> fuck you if you ask. For you had a fun. gripe about this match. I enjoyed this I match for what it was, but the gripe but the was same about gripe. commercial breaks. That was my gripe. The gripe was about commercial breaks. The gripe had nothing to do with the match itself. My, that was my gripe because, um, again, I had a file from somewhere, um, that had the picture in picture. Because it's a it's a lesser file than a whole file. Yeah, even with the picture in picture, I mean, I miss Wardlow coming in. Yeah, you met, and, and my wife and I are sitting there on the couch watching it. So my wife was not a wrestling fan until until we were dating, and we were living together, and she came home one night from rehearsal and she saw me watching something, and I had dinner prepared, and I was like, "Hey," she was like, "What are you watching?" I said, "Oh, it's I'm like, yeah, I'm watching wrestling. You know, I can change it." She's like, "No, no, I'll watch it." Now my wife is a huge mark. I mean, she's bigger than than anybody you met. I mean, she's always like, "That looked like it actually hurt." Is she? Are they okay? <laughs> Did you show? Oh them fuck it? you! you know, I mean, she. <laughs> I mean, shit. I'm telling you, shit. She's like wow. screaming at them. I mean, I have been thinking about setting up a Twitch of of her of Davin watches wrestling because she's just like. Oh, fuck you! Oh, you bitch! You know, I mean, she like is... Like football fans. Yeah. Yeah. Fully. Yes. Completely. Now, I want to ask you this, as far as your wife is concerned. Did you show her the Mick Fo- the infamous Mick Foley match at Hell in a Cell in 98? Yes, I have. That is my go-to whenever, when people say this is fake. That is my go-to Yeah, and match. she... And look, like, like, my wife does not... I mean, she looks at the things that are clearly fake and thinks that they are real. Okay, so she's not like she's immersed into it. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, she is such a mark. Okay, I tell her that she hates it when I say this, but I'm like, you'd be a great Donald Trump supporter. (laughs) But I'm but uh, because you just believe things. I will I will say this though, um, and this is past the point. uh, This is 2021. It's been four years. I interviewed Ray Phoenix. Oh wow! Before AEW ever came together, he was Lucha Underground touring House of Hardcore. I remember I got to the arena in Joppa Town. It was the MCW arena, and I was with uh, I was with my friend, uh, the original Gata, who does work in House of Hardcore. And Phoenix came up to me in a coat, like in a in a um, in a coat. He came up to me with a coat, uh, like sweats or something like that. But he had no mask on. So in my mind, I was like. Why in my mind like Bret Hart, I was like, why are you coming up to me with no? I don't want to see your face, mm. you know, because uh, luchadors they don't even have identities like disclosed out there. They just that's who they are. Right. I love that, and um, you know he we shook hands and everything like that. So I didn't say much because his English was it's not that great. It's like he can talk better than Pentagon. Pentagon's English is shot. Yeah. Um, and I know Pentagon. Um, Penta El Cerro now. I used right. to, I call him Pentagon Junior because well, because that's what they called him. But they called and, him Pentagon Lucha. Junior forever, and now yeah. the past couple of weeks has been Penta El Cerro. So uh, after the show, Phoenix gave me an interview, but he wasn't wearing his mask, and I just felt so uncomfortable and funny about it. But he we took the picture. He uh, put the mask on. 
So yeah, that was it. But I love that your wife is immersed into it. I think she's oh she been, and she loves the women's wrestling. I need to show her impact, impact yes. wrestling because WWE women's wrestling is not it's not good. The performers it's not good now. The performers it had a period of time where yeah. it was pretty. Or it I can was show, the best part of the product. Or I can show her old TNA uh, women's wrestling. Yeah. Um, I've showed her some old Attitude Era women's wrestling. Uh, it was all right. I mean... Oh, it was terrible. Like, but the I latter sh- of it was okay, but that was Yeah. Matches. Even as a teenager, I didn't like that. I didn't like... Well, I did. I was like... I mean, boobies, but... Yeah, I mean, I was right there. I'm not going to lie. As a teenager, I was right there with Jerry Lawler, where he was like, puppies! And I was like, yeah! Fuck. He but, did it but, for me. But I'm a 13-year-old boy. Okay. Well, I don't know shit. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know anything. Again, we lived in those days where there was no free porn. It was the scrambled on the, on the cable channel. if you wanted to see dirty porn before... I mean, I didn't have a computer. There was no internet. You had to press, I think it was like the C button. And you could like kind of press it over and over again, and it was like the equivalent of refreshing the thing. And so, if you did it fast enough, you could kind of from the scramble, you could kind of make out the image of sex happening. I mean, it was like I mean, I'm telling you, this. I, is, I didn't have that cable. Uh, network. This is my degenerative, you know. Like I mean, it was basic cable. You I mean, mean probably, we didn't have it. We didn't have HBO. We didn't have Showtime. I mean, but, it was it was probably. And I remember one time. Okay, shit. I'm sorry. But I remember one time I was pressing the C thing enough times and all of a sudden it was like a pay-per-view thing. I was just like pressing, 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 pressing. And all of a sudden like it fucking came on. (laughs) And it stayed on. And I'm not kidding. It stayed on because this is the way you know it worked back then was it was like you you would buy a three-hour block. Yeah, that's what it was. You would buy a three-hour block. So I was pressing, 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 and it came on, and then it was on for hours. And I grabbed the VHS tape and like put it in and started pressing record. And then I sold it to my friends. I sold these tapes to my friends. I made copies and sold them to my friends. And does Joe the businessman start? You know what I mean? Like I was always like I was just like, holy shit! I mean, it was like a fucking miracle from God. You know, but I mean, but, you know, you know, that's kind of, it's kind of problematic to state that because we live in an age where people are really dependent upon pornography for learning about sex. But I'll say this, somehow, a lot of the stuff that I saw, I, fo- I tended to focus on the places where women were being pleasured. So that's where, like, my focus went mm-hmm. as a human being. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is too much information to share on a wrestling podcast. Well, don't worry. I'm going to put the mature sign up. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But that's actually, I had a positive experience Mm. with pornography as a young child where I learned about the value of women's pleasure. So that became my, and also a random friend of mine bought me a book when I was 16 called How to Give Her Absolute Pleasure. And that changed my life forever. As a person, because it really made me focus. It was kind of the opposite of what most men, uh, uh, I think, in our day and age have the problem with, which is like the idea of, um, you know, sex as it exists is like a, a commodification. It's, it's more of a practice than an actual, um, it's more of a practice than the actual gratification part. 
Once yeah. you, it, you know, it, it's all into that. And, I, and honestly, I had a conversation with somebody today that was trying to come back into my life, but she started talking crazy about vaccinations and stuff. And I was just like, okay, well. <laughs> oh, you, she's like, no vaccinations? No, because I told her I was vaccinated, so I'm just going, I'm going about still wearing a mask. And she was talking about, like, if you're vaccinated, then why do you wear a mask? And she like, well, works, I don't have AIDS, but and I she company. works for a medical, a known big medical company. Uh-huh. And I'm like, you, I'm like, you don't know anything from working for this big company. Oh my god! And 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 um, anyway, I'm mean, I gotta get out of here. I gotta get out of this. Uh, I know, I know, I know. Hole, we, 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 but, we went down a really dark. We went down but, a really difficult rabbit hole to get. It's not dark. It's actually positive. It's actually sex positive. Well, I would call this Midnight Miracle, but Dave Chappelle took that. Yeah, um, fuck you, Dave Chappelle. <laughs> Don't you have a I'm going to listen to it eventually. Um, but anyway, uh, Blood and Guts. You're- Blood and Guts. You know, um, AEW, it's like when I think about pay-per-views. So, I haven't bought a pay-per-view in a really long time except for AEW's because I have the WWE Network. And I thought, like, you know, and I got the WWE Network from the very beginning. Because I was like, excuse me, instead of paying 60... Now, I was a child yes. who grew up, I would literally, I would watch the countdowns on pay-per-views, okay? And I would I would watch, like, the pre-matches, and I watched the countdown. I mean, what we would call the kickoff show today. I would yeah, watch he did that. Because that was fucking content for me to absorb. Yes. You know what I mean? And it was like, and maybe on there would be a Sunday night heat that preceded... Yes the fucking pay-per-view on a Sunday. But other than that, it was like, you got these countdowns, and I was like, oh, man, you got this build. And I literally, like I said, I was raised by my grandmother, my Nana Mary, and I walked down, and like, periodically, I would be like, oh, it'll be uh, 10 minutes until WrestleMania. <laughs> you know? And I would beg, I would beg and beg and beg, and she would finally, you know, or we'd go rent Blockbuster tapes and watch Blockbuster tapes. I did that too. But I would beg her... And I get these, so when I was like, fuck, I can get a pay-per-view for, te- are you kidding me? Like, as a poor child, as a as a, an impoverished child growing up that had to beg my impoverished grandmother living off of Social Security to spend her money on pay-per-views, of course I'm going to pay $10 a month. Look, I'm going to tell you like this. You have a positive mindset when it comes to the network, and I say the same thing about the pay-per-views and also cataloging yeah. and original programming. People on the internet still bitch and complain. Oh, of course. And now, I will say about the wrestling, like, just because it's ten dollars, don't mean you give us ten dollars worth of wrestling. Like, like as far as the price and everything, this is just an incentive to say we're going to keep watching your stuff. Now, if you want to talk a stream cheapskate, use the network every day for about a month. Mm-hmm. You're paying ten dollars, maybe like thirty days or something, and it, it it it's really cheap. It's like cents on the dollar or something. Oh my god! It's and, and my wife, I mean, we literally. So when my wife is is upset about something or she can't go to sleep, you know what we put on? Old wrestling. You know what? I did that for a while until I got the Disney Network. I would put on WrestleMania four and just fall asleep you to put, it. Because as a as a child, I had the tapes. I would record from the pay per views or whatever, and I would play them, and I fall asleep right away. And it still works to this day. I put on old wrestling, and I'm I'm dead asleep in ten to fifteen minutes. And for my wife, as a stress, she has anxiety. You know, she has severe anxiety, and okay. when she's feeling anxiety by the next day, we put on some wrestling. It takes her completely away, and she starts to just, like, she's out before I'm ever out. So, it's, like, it's better than, you know, Ambien. <laughs> well, uh, well, for me, I take CBD. I take... Uh, CBD? C- well, yeah, whatever I, it is. I take CBD, and there's 
uh, local companies I buy from Charm City, uh, Charm City Hemp that I get it from. I just bought a shout out Charm City. Yes, Hemp. Uh, I just bought a key lime, uh, a key lime uh, tincture oil. Yes, and you know, take like two of the droppers, put it on my tongue. It's like sixty milligrams because of a person my size. And I use that, but, you know, I go to D.C. to get other stuff for right. the weekend. I got some Skittles or something. That That's for the weekend stuff. Right. Um, so, so... Uh, we, 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 were talking we were talking about blood and guts. And um, I think we got into cataloging or whatever. But my thing, even though you shared the same sentiment, was I miss Wardlow getting in. I had a picture-in-picture on the file but Wardlow was getting it. And that was a was big a moment in the match, too. That was a big moment in the match. In terms of uh, of what it did in the overall story structure of the match. Because they came in. And when, when, when Wardlow got in there, it's when it moved it more in favor of the pinnacle. Of course, later in the match, it switched back to um, being the inner circle in control. Until... MJF mm-hmm. being a, a chicken shit heel mm-hmm. with the aid of Tully Blanchard was able to get out of the ring. A heel from a heel. A heel from a heel. Who was a you know and and you know big credit to to AEW because of course he was in the very first match under a different name of that. Oh, style. War Games. Um, yeah. Because WWE like dicks as far as their trademarking department took the name. And said, uh, we're exactly. going to take it. And that was from Dusty Rose. And but Blood and Guts is better than War Games. <sighs> I think so. Because as somebody that has a problem with the military-industrial complex. Okay. Blood and Guts. And because also, this was a very... This was a deeply, deeply personal match. But that's why I keep it at War Games. Because it's personal. And Blood and Guts, to me, is just like that that rebrand of a name that you're going to say. Because, number one, it is going to be Blood. We get the Guts part. Like, see, the, the, blood, the, sweat, and tears and everything. So, we, we get yeah, that part. I get, I get, this is War Games. It's just like, I think about... When I think about war, I think about... Fucking, weapons. I, I, I think about weapons. And I, and I, and I think about poor... I think about poor people, or impoverished, or, or wealthy people that think that they're you know doing something noble, being used in the protection of being used in order to protect uh, corporate interests, global corporate interest. That's what I think about when I think about war. <laughs> now you we're know, going out of political hole with that one. Yeah, I need to know this big, and I just want to like iterate. I have a number of friends and family connected to the military. So and, and this is not a personal thing. No, I mean, this no. Is, this is not about personal valor or courage um, or character, right? This is about um, you know the institution uh, of war that is deeply connected to um, financial gain and, and and power and control. So when I hear blood and guts, I think about old school feuds. I think about people that got a fucking problem with each other, and the only way to handle it is to beat the hell out of one another. And <laughs> and that's why, um, to a certain extent, I don't like death matches of today. Yeah. Because some of them are just like, we're just going to have a death match. I'm like, where's the blood of you? Where is it? You can't stand that Yeah, where, where did this come from? You know, and there are certain companies that would do that, like CZW is one of them. And, you know, I look at their, their, their social media, whatever, for videos, I'm like, 
oh, we're just gonna have a, we're just gonna have a match with light tubes. And I was like, to me personally, as a wrestler, if I am a wrestler, I'm a shooter. So I like technical wrestling. Yes. So like, if if I can't stand you, then yeah, that's when weapons are going to come into play. Like, look, this ain't big enough for the both of us. Somebody going to have to lay down. Yeah. And that's what it is. But with blood and guts, um, I did enjoy it. Uh, you had a problem with the inner circle as far as attire. I did. I did. But I did get a little bit part of that. I did. I did have a problem with the attire. Can we take another quick little break and I'll get another attire? Sure. Just- so we're back from another break. Uh, we've been, been shooting like tonight. Like we've been crazy. chopping it up. Um, I gotta have you back anyway. I, I love I love doing this shit. Um, so yeah, you had a problem with the outfits, which I did, I did understand in a certain way. Yeah, yeah. I I, I the um, <laughs> it's like it's like too much to break down. One, uh, okay, the the outfits are great because the pinnacle comes out and they have like the white gear, right? Which automatically, so if you like Japanese culture, Japanese storytelling, white is death. Yeah. Um, I didn't even look at it that way. I looked at it like flossing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and they look good. And they look clean. Absolutely. Oh, after the match, it looked like it looked like somebody shit all over the clothes. Exactly. Yeah. So it's great. So you can see the wear of it. But white has a lot of different sort of connotations, like in fight and in combat. Mm-hmm. So like I, I thought the pinnacle, the white and the purple, because the purple is like royal. It was great. Mm-hmm. It was like great, great. And I knew the pinnacle was gonna win. Like, I had no doubt that the Pinnacle was going to... Because they have to. Okay? They, they actually do because the Inner Circle are, are the uh, the uh, established crew of AEW. And AEW, even though AEW's been faction happy for the last couple of weeks or months, the uh, Pinnacle needed something to go over. Yes. So even if, the, even if the Inner Circle won, it would have been burying them. But... Especially you know. after the last couple of weeks where Chris Jericho cut these promos that completely tore them to shreds. I mean, every member of the Pinnacle got uh, uh, just ripped apart by Jericho's promos. And it was funny. And he was honest. Like, I thought Jericho was trying to bury this. I, I thought he was actually, and th- which is why I knew, okay, they're going to win this match because why else would they allow them why would they allow Jericho to go so hard on these guys? Well, not only that, but it's the thing about WWE versus AEW again when it comes to promos. Like, bullet points are better than having a full-blown script. Yeah. And it shows the, the men from the boys and the women from the girls as far as carrying a promo. And that's why with WWE, they showed this in the FCW doc where they take promo classes and they, they, they give you, like, a subject matter. Cookies, go. And then they see how good you are or how bad you are at improvising. And this is something that a lot of actors know. So any wrestler with an acting background can just go on promos, whether they need to dust up that that uh, that tool in their mind, or they can just actually just come off like that. Yeah. So they were dressed like jailers, and but I did like the back of their outfits um, because it was like where they're from and what jail is close to them, especially yeah, I hated uh, that. especially Santana and Ortiz, you know, Rikers Island. But they actually, I think Santana Ortiz have actually, I don't know if it's part, I and I don't know. This is it's New Yorkans. Yeah, yeah, I know they're New Yorkans, but I don't know if they've ever, I think they may or may not have actually, you know, at some point been incarcerated people, right? 
Well, I can say that I don't know for I, sure. Not nah. I, I can say the uh, well, not as far as like federal jail, like doing time and stuff. I can say as far as being in that background of being in the hood that sometimes it's a it's a hood to jail pipeline and and, it, and the both can handle itself in any way. The only thing about it is in the hood, you free, you can do what you want, but in jail is like locked down right. and whatever. Because I I've been to I, I I never been locked up, but I've been to lock uh, to jails to visit people. Yeah. So, um, and they would tell me what really goes on instead of what they put out in movies and everything. Right. And plus, like, uh, you know, people in Baltimore more so watched The Wire. Yeah. And they saw what happened to one of the guys. Um, but yeah, I did like it. Uh, it was just refreshing. The only bad part about it was it was on TV. And when people like you and myself were talking about commercial breaks, I had to step back and say, well, they got to pay the bills. This is television. But I thought like the cons or whatever could be like, we need this block to run. We need yeah. this block to run. We're on TV, even though that's a fight in itself between uh, Turner Network and the cons. Yeah. Because they did come down on AEW and said, don't do surprises anymore, even though Sting was a good one. Right. Um. Well, and they got uh, Sammy Guevara walking out. You know, holding up signs in the picture and picture and it's clearly like taken. I I love that. But hold on, I just want to say about the about the prison uniforms. I found it totally. Um, I mean, it nearly. I I really had to suspend like kind of who I am to watch the program. Like I wanted to turn it off. Okay. Because the prison industrial complex in America is fucking disgusting. I mean, it is a slave system. Okay, it, it is a legalized form of slavery, and it disproportionately affects black and brown Americans, of course. If you know anything about the prison industrial complex, you know that. Sure, there are a lot of white people in prison as well. Um, however, disproportionately, when we look at it, it so, so it has these connections um, to the chattel slave system. And of course, the prison industrial complex directly transformed from slavery, you know, through um, slave code laws and vagrancy laws to then to, uh, into um, um, I'm sorry. Con- convict leasing. So anyway. They, I, they, did, they did it, but so, I'm sorry, I, I had to put this over. Uh, Ava DuVernay made a documentary called 13. Uh, 13. Yeah. And it explains part of that, but you went deeper within that. You gotta watch 13, yeah. and you gotta read um, Michelle... Michelle Alexander's The New Jim Crow. You, you gotta, you gotta get this stuff in there because, it, it, and and you gotta understand what happened in the eighties and the nineties. And we, we, you know, we touched on this. We touched on the on the, um, the crime bill, the crime bill, and the way that exploded private prisons. I mean, we spend more money on private prisons than we do on education in the United States of America, and it's not because we have more violent crime than other countries. It's just the way in which our policies work because of how profitable it is. So when I am watching a thing that says where they are repeatedly saying, oh, well, they're wearing these prison uniforms that represent their hometowns. Okay, fuck you in a really big way. Because, um, A, I don't know if there's any prisons or jails in these towns that they are claiming that they are in. Well, you know, you know, except for Santana Ortiz, they said Rikers or something. Which right, it said Rikers. Obviously, everybody knows that one. Chris Jericho comes from a very affluent and privileged background as the son of a professional hockey player. 
Okay, so well, and I don't know about the neighbor. I don't know about the city he grew up in and whether or not it has a jail. But it's certainly your jail or the prison in your hometown is not something that you should use as a sign of hometown pride. Well, also, uh, I don't know geographically, so like I would challenge that part. Yeah. Say, like how, how close to think of like Winnipeg. He, I mean, Chris Jericho has dual citizenship anyway. Right. So, um, I. I, I, you know, it was a theme in Jericho, and sometimes with Jericho in AEW, he does things that can stick and does things that's like, shouldn't have done that. Because when he was with MGF, the uh, debonair dinner or something, I, I wasn't a fan of that, even, I though it got, it. even though it got MJF over. Yeah. MJF can do it. He did it. But for some reason, when I saw Jericho, it was like, you're phoning it in, even though it's your idea. Yeah, and, and you know, and that's okay. It's like, okay, well, did that concept work? Did that not concept not work? And I get the idea of like, oh, you know, we're going into this cage and we're tough guys and we're fighters and we have nothing left to lose. But it that's the problem of all this romanticization of um, prisoners or jail or toughness. Um, while the fact is that it is thought of that at least 15% of all federal prisoners are um, innocent people who are incarcerated. Oh, it's just showing out now these days. Yeah, so that is tens of thousands of people who are incarcerated for things that they did not do or should not be. So that that's my problem is this normalization and this uh, kind of casually d- d- uh, uh, presenting prison or jail um, as a sort of like tough guy thing or a costume now, when there are really serious fucking consequences to the American prison industrial complex. Well, now, so that's what fucked me up. With now, now I'll say in my culture, most of the time it's like prison, you get more praise out of prison than you do graduating high school or college. Mm. And that's a stigma that we need to erase. Um, because even though prison has its toughness compared to high school and college, how far can you advance compared to graduating on somebody's college or getting uh, degrees and everything? So, um, you know, I know certain states like felons can vote now, like mm-hmm. even Florida. Virginia. Um, Virginia is one of them also. So so getting to into this match. Um, the match was great. Uh, I just had a serious fucking problem okay. with those outfits. But, again, you know, you're more educated than – those wrestling fans out there so like when they put on the outfits it's like ooh they're showing toughness and this is a cage and that's what it is now for me even though WCW did it I would wear camo gear and put on face paint to say that we're going to war even though that's war games instead of blood and guts do something more of that nature of we're going to throw down Yeah, I don't care if I dress up like West Side Story or whatever even though that's corny <laughs> um, and, I, and I'm not Latin either um, so that ended, but the joke that a lot of people were saying was the, the part where MJF threw Chris Jericho off the staging area. And to me personally, the outrage of certain fans and people don't listen to me when I say this. What I thought, just like many other people, was they should have, they should have put that, uh, crash pad and rigged it a little better so it can be like he really fell into something. Some people wanted him to hit the ground. They wanted Jericho to hit the ground like Mick Foley did. I'm like, this dude is 50 years old compared to the late 30s that Mick Foley was in. Yeah, you know, it it wasn't okay. It wasn't okay. 
when Mick Foley did it. No, he thought about that himself, and he didn't know that that had some kind of ramifications of culture, of wrestling, of uh, revolutionizing the Hell in a Cell. And not only that, but that matched him and The Undertaker, like, I guess back in the day, nobody wasn't really into it compared to Stone Cold and Kane. And he's like, let's do something to outshine them. Mm-hmm. Throw me off the cage. And Undertaker looked at it like, what? Are you serious? And he's like, throw me off. He's like, all right. And did that. And that's somebody that is, who was the king of the Japanese death match. And Mick Foley is sharp as a tack still to this day. And after everything he's gone through, I don't know how. Yeah. The 20 plus headshots against the Rocket, the Royal Rumble, falling off the cage, um, you know, blowing himself up, falling off scaffolds in the days of, uh, I think it was world class or something that happened. That's just a good, like, that just tells you he is a good dude who had a good support system in his life that somehow... He did all of that violent stuff, and he and he plays Santa Claus. And not only that, though, he took a spear to a flaming table from Edge at WrestleMania 22 and thumbtacks and everything. I can go on and on and on. But it was that to me that people want to hit the floor, and that's what got to me because it's like, okay, we know wrestling is scripted, but we want to pull off a section of realism of we want... We we mm-hmm. want uh, to, to seem like Chris Jericho is going to be written off TV. He hit the stage, whatever. Yeah. All I'm saying, I'm a production guy. Make the crash pad better or whatever upon impact. Make it like you really killed. So that's the part I have. I'm going to talk about this later with Mika. But I, I don't know why people. But they wanted death. They or wanted you hurt. know. And did it did it kind of take away from the impact of it? Absolutely, because it wasn't rigged that well. So they're looking after him, and they're trying to sell it, and and, and then they also so say, but you can tell they also you know, say he was smiling too. Yeah, and 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 the, although I'll say this, the moment where MJF says thank you to him, I like was was a good was a powerful moment. Now the lead up to it again, you knew I knew he was gonna push him off when Jericho started going up there. I knew he was gonna lose the match. And I thought it was great booking because... Well, you have, if you actually look at it, the, the top of the cage is the top of the cage, but it had this little steel part area yes. that you could stand on. Yeah, it was So it was reinforced. obvious. Yeah. It was obvious that you could see it. And the part about AEW that does go against, that make you jump to WWE, is production. Yeah. Sometimes it's bad camera cuts. It's sometimes it's like uh, whatever. And then also, uh, I remember my friend Ethan Page had a match when he first debuted. I saw that audio and I thought I was tripping. I thought I was high. I didn't take anything. Oh yeah. And the audio was like Marvin Gaye singing at the All Star Game. Yeah, it was the NBA. It was yeah, a mix up years ago. Yeah. And I'm just like, am I am I high or something? What's yeah. going on? I remember watching that. Yeah. And and that's what happened. So um, I do have an interview with Ethan Page. I got put out something. That was a year and a half ago at Russell Cade. Wow. And um, we we known each other for years. I, I will tell you this though before we go. Now in AEW, they're having a feud with him, Scorpio, him and Scorpio Sky versus Darby Allen. Yeah, there was a match at Evolve in New York and Queens. I wonder what happened tonight. Actually, it's already over. I don't know what's happened. Yeah, we're going uh, Miro. I'll probably watch it tomorrow. Miro and Dar- I'm going to go home and watch it now. Miro and Darby Allen. Yeah. So Dar- um, Ethan Page and Darby Allen had like a no holds barred fight from Evolve Wrestling. One of the parts that was very cringeworthy was Ethan Page put Darby in a body bag. 
put it in a body bag, kept the zipper open for some reason, came over with a bag of thumbtacks, dumped the thumbtacks in the body bag where Darby is laying, zipped it up, and kept smacking it relentlessly with a chair. In Evolve, this is like the springboard to WWE kind of uh, uh, promotion. And I talked to him about that during the interview, so I got to air that, then I got to send it to oh, you that's, that's with it. that one. Um, but I, but I known him for years as all ego, ego Ethan Page, and now he's doing Karate Man and Impact, and got a raw deal leaving Impact. So I, but he gave me Josh Alexander, mm. who I watch. So um, anyway, we're we've been shooting for a long time. I'm sorry to be this long, but uh, I'm just striking a friendship up with Operation Joe, Joe Carlson. Um, I, I'm going to have you back soon enough. Uh, as soon as we, I can scrape up some WWE news or whatever you saw on television. Yeah. And we're going to talk about it. Uh, you're a friend of the show. You're a friend of mine. Um, before we go, give the people your information and your social media where they can find you. Yeah, you got to you gotta follow us on Charm City Books, uh, at Charm City Books on Instagram, Charm City Books on YouTube. We have a, a lot of great digital content uh, bookish content uh, but content that should appeal to everyone that likes um, I don't fucking know books and stuff you, you don't tired. have a Facebook page no we do we do it's just Charm City Books on Facebook and okay. we have right, and our Facebook has all of the, the same stuff that our Instagram or our YouTube has yes um, and uh, we're developing more more uh, incredible stuff with local authors as well as musicians um, you know, we got hamstrung by the pandemic in terms of we were starting a program called Live from 782, which was a sort of intimate concert experience uh, oh, that was awesome. upstairs in our, our second floor. Um, that has been you know, stopped for now, but we were looking at ways at, at starting that back up. So, yeah, follow us at, at Charm City Books on Instagram, Charm City Books on Facebook and on our YouTube page. Um, check out our Hump to Hits. Our Tiny Tidbits is our uh, monthly cooking show uh, all oh, kinds man. of good stuff oh yeah man Lord. we have our, our our once upon a story time at charm city books with stabbing and whiskers the cat as well as our virtual uh as well between two succulents we've had new york times best-selling authors uh local baltimore uh, uh, uh representatives like felicia porter from district 10 in okay. town um we do it all and we're all about uplifting and amplifying independent voices and authors uh, in Baltimore and around the country and the world. Uh, and we're all about uh, putting a little magic and joy and wonder and imagination out into the world. And, and I think we all need that. You know, I think we all need peace uh, and <laughs> possibility. We need a lot of peace. Yeah, we need peace and we need possibility. We need to know that the things that we want and we hope for uh, are attainable and that there are others in the world who want us uh, to have those things and, and will collaborate with us to get those things. And I think that's what we do here at Charm City Books, and, and we create the possibility for those relationships to, to develop. Uh, at least I hope so. And, and that's at least what we're going we're gonna to keep on, on pushing for. Be, beyond selling books and, and trying to make a living at doing that, um, we, want, we want to create that space and that possibility for others uh, here and that's what we're here to do well honestly uh, Joe you're a very intelligent man support your local business everyone and he's sitting up here talking about books and beer so with that in mind 
for Operation Joe, which I deem on Shy Lounge and Shinblade. I am the Sensational One. You can catch me on Instagram and Twitter under Sensational One. Facebook under Official Shinblade. I got to change that to Sensational One whenever I get a chance. Um, YouTube under Shinblade. Uh, catch Shy Lounge at your uh, at whatever podcast that you uh, get. iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, I'm, I'm losing one. Um, SoundCloud. I'm not Spotify yet. I, I got to submit my link for that. Okay. I, I, I got to set up an account to do that, but it's been so busy. And plus the sun is coming out. I want to walk around and get some that, that that sun. Yes. So that that's what making me lazy about put, doing podcasts, I will admit. But again, for Operation Joe, this is a sensational one. Sorry we've been a little bit long, but that's how I roll and we're out. I want to